Hey everyone, welcome back to Normies Like Us. Today we're going to be putting a crew together and talking about everyone's favorite scruffy looking nerf herder, that's Han Solo. And you know what, this time I got a good feeling about this. There's thieves here to steal equipment for a job, and I want it. You want to make that move. Captain Lindo covers Han Solo. Get your presumptuous out of my seat. All right. Hey, everyone. We're here. We're in. And as I said earlier, we put a crew together. And today we are joined by not one, but two special guests. I'd like to introduce X Kaita and Jacob. Yo, it's your boy, X Kaita. What's up? Uh, happy to be here, uh, bad boys. Hey, guys. Happy to have you. This is Colin. Happy to be talking solo with you today. Hey, oh, bad boys. Welcome back. This is Joe. And this is Mike. So we are out here, and it is so hot, we might as well have recorded this thing on Tatooine. But we're here to talk Solo, uh, but before we get into the film itself, we're also going to be talking uh, comic book appearances by Han Solo, video game appearances, and any media related to our favorite smuggler. So I want to ask, um, we got Jacob's perspective a couple weeks ago on Star Wars. I just want X-Kai to fill me in. What is your experience with Star Wars? How do you like it? How do you feel about Disney so far? Alright, so check it, man. I like Star Wars. Love it a lot. I've liked it ever since I was a kid. I think my Ooh, first... Old school fan. Yes, sir. I think uh, the first time I remember watching Star Wars, it was like after Thanksgiving. I was full. I think I saw... I think it was Empire. Classic. You saw the re-release in theaters? No, no. I didn't see it in theaters. I was just... Like VHS like, recordings. Yeah, v- the VHS tape. Yeah. And uh, I remember watching it and being like, wow. This is dope. I want to be in a Star Wars. So. Yeah, and I remember we, you know, we used to be roommates, and we went through before the Disney ones came out. We rewatched every film multiple times. We watched all the prequels and the sequels, and I can tell you're pretty diehard about it. Yeah, man, I like me some Star Wars. Well, how do you feel so far with the Force Awakens, Rogue One, and uh, we don't want to get into too much of Solo yet, but you know, and also Last Jedi. What's your initial thoughts? Ah, uh, yeah, okay. So when Force Awakens came out, uh, I ain't even gonna lie. I ain't even gonna hold them. I do like Force Awakens. You know, it opened up a a new storyline for like new characters. I was I was fucking with it. I mean, I was messing with it. Yeah, I'm one of these guys who thought it was a retread of A New Hope. Uh, you know, after I heard about the the critiques of it, the critique, yeah, criticisms. I yeah, after I heard all all that stuff about it, I kind of was like, yeah, you know, I could see it, but I still liked it. It still was Star Wars to me. Yeah, see, that's kind of my opinion on it, guys. Yeah, a lot of I, the uh, fan noise might be changing your perspective on that. It seems like you see it, you watch it, and then the next thing you know, everybody else's voice is coming to you. Oh, it was too much like this, it was too much like that. Just enjoy what you enjoy. Yeah, I mean, why would you complain about it being too much like something you love to begin with? Yeah, and especially like even Phantom Menace is like a retread of New Hope because instead of the Death Star, it's the Droid Command Center. It ends up with a ship running in to blow that up. So. Oh, you know what? I never actually put that together. Well, you know, like... George Lucas has always said they rhyme. They all go together anyway. So it makes sense that you would see a lot of the same themes play out in all of them. Until now. I felt the same with uh, Rogue One. Yeah. I felt the same way too. But then the other one came out and it just flipped me 180. The Last Jedi. Yeah, man. That Last Jedi was trash. And we're going to get you back. Hot. Because we will have the Last Jedi debate. We're going to keep teasing it. we got to get people here for the season finale. (laughs) Um, Build it up. We've talked a little bit about it, though. Joe and I are fans. Mike, a little bit more on your side. So, well, we see. Well, Mike is right. And Jacob, what camp do you lie in? Yeah, where are you at? Uh, I am a fan of The Last Jedi. Pro Last Jedi. Pro Last Jedi. So we have three pro, two con, but you know we'll have that debate. And speaking of the Disney stuff, 
we saw in The Force Awakens the death of Han Solo, but now we're here to talk about essentially the birth of Han Solo, the his origins. Solo. Yeah. And I think it's important to say right now, full spoilers, in effect, if you haven't seen the movie yet, you probably shouldn't listen to this episode. Yeah. All right, and uh, I just want to, you know, throw this out there that I kind of got a biased opinion on Solo just because of The Last Jedi, so... Really? really? You carried yeah. that over? Yeah, carried it over. The I bitterness think, uh, carried I think over. a lot of people did. That's why it didn't do very well uh, in the box office. But still, you see them talking about pre-sale tickets. Oh, this is going to be one of the biggest ones. And boy, that really blew up in their face. So yeah, False. maybe they are burning some of those fans. All right, well, we're going to get into that. And right before I do that, I just want to really quickly thank all the fans that have already been listening. We were checking the numbers. It looks like we got a couple hundred people checking this thing out. And we really appreciate you listening. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Yeah, like we just started out, and it really, really is heartening to see that people are checking it out all over the country, and uh, we're new, and please keep listening. Please hit us up on the social media, and we're going to keep doing our best, but in the meantime, we're jumping into Solo, a Star Wars story. All right, listeners, we're going to be talking Solo, the movie itself. So first, we're going to cut to one of our segments, Top or Bottoms. Kaida, X, let me know, man. What did you Yo. think? Hit me with a top and a bottom for what you liked about Solo and what you didn't like. All right, so what I liked about Solo, I don't know. I think, you know, Ron Howard did the best he could, so I ain't even going to hold him. Uh, it looks and feels like Star Wars to me, so I fucks with that, you know. Uh, the bottom is everything else like it's Han Ooh. Solo himself that ain't Han Solo to me so you you're know you're talking Alden Einenreich the yeah, actor uh, who took over not a big fan Aaron third uh Aaron Reich whatever his name is you know yeah All right shout out Ethan Uncle Ethan what's up All right Ooh. okay Jacob. well how about Jacob Uh yeah well if I could just give my uh a brief uh uh how I felt about the movie after initially seeing it I thought it was fun, but extremely forgettable. Um, but ever since I've seen it and thought about it more, I, the more I think about it, the less I like it, and the more, even more forgettable it becomes to me. So my top, I had to say, there's only a couple of things that I really thought were good about it. Um, Donald Glover as Lando, I think, was probably the best part, even though he didn't get very much to do in that movie. His, his, he did a good Lando impression. Unfortunately, it's not more than really an impression because he just doesn't have very much to do in the movie. But I am interested in seeing a standalone movie with him. Um, and then the other top would be um, Amelia Clark as Kira. I thought she was really good, and I just like her a lot. So those are probably the two best parts of the movie for me. As for the bottom of the movie, I would say the general like purposelessness of it, I felt, was... It's just very extremely forgettable in the realm of all Star Wars movies. It's probably one of the most disposable ones to me. A little rambling, a little listless, kind of doesn't have a purpose almost. Yeah. And it's like, I understand that they're going to make a Han Solo movie, but... It was inevitable, right? Yeah, but I just felt like it was unnecessary. I had a bad feeling about it. Um, Joe, Ew. tops and bottoms. Uh, well, like X said, it did feel like a Star Wars movie, which is important. And I, I liked Han Solo himself. He wasn't doing a Harrison Ford impression. He felt like the character at a different point in his life. Uh, my top, I would say, is the world-building elements. You know, we saw a lot of things that I think will come back in other anthology films. The major cameo at the end that obviously we'll talk about going forward. 
Um, Huge shocker there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think that was a big deal. The idea that, look, they're going to make a million of these movies, right? So every single one can't have the Empire as the villain. You need to introduce some other elements in this universe that are dangerous, that can be foils for the heroes. I think Crimson Dawn was a great add to the universe and the mythos. Yeah. You got something to say here? Yeah. It's your boy X. Uh, I think the spoiler at the end that we finna get into is a big cop-out. So wow. that's, that's my uh, opinion. So uh, my bottom, I guess I would have to say, <laughs> right off the bat, there is the moment where the Imperial Guard uh, is like, what's your name? And he's like, Han, I don't have any people. Oh, well, let me give you your name. Your name is Han Solo. Just didn't need it. It is unforgivable to me. It is uh, the only over-explanation that I see in the movie. You know, a lot of people complain about some of the other things, like, ooh, he got his blaster. Oh, he said, I have a good feeling about this. He won the Millennium Falcon. Those things make sense to me to see in an origin movie. The naming, just really didn't need that. Now, screenwriter Lawrence Kasdan recently revealed that that pitch of that scene was what got producers and uh, the developers on board to make Solo a Star Wars story. So does that change it in your mind a little bit? No, not at all. That just changes the people at the top that that need to be in charge of things because obviously they really ah. don't know what fans are looking for. Yeah, I love that. That felt a little clueless to me too. Yeah, it's, it's just dumbed down. It's not uh, an interesting take. It's just kind of like the lowest common denominator. Yeah, and can I just add, I just wanted to, um, I'm, I wonder if that was a remnant of the Phil Lord, Chris Miller uh, shoots or if that was part of the Ron Howard shoots because I felt another bottom of it was the just the general unevenness due to the, I mean, everyone knows the behind the scenes drama that the movie had and I just feel like the reshoots, I thought, I thought it was very noticeable that it was reshot and um, under two different directing groups at, at one point. If that was a remnant of Lord Miller, I am so glad it got taken away from them because I more of See, that would to, have been terrible. I have to go the other way. I think um, I I mean no one will know ever know what the Phil Lord Chris Miller cut would have been, but I think that it would have been pref- preferable to the Ron Howard because I feel like I feel like they were doing more of an action comedy, and I think the Ron Howard reshoots took a lot of the comedy out of it to the point where there's like. There's like places where there should be jokes in this movie, but they're just not funny. And I feel like a lot of the, the comedy got taken out of it. All right. Well, we're, we'll get into those nitty-gritty details. But from what I'm hearing, Joe, your biggest complaint is the cardinal sin of having an idiot give Han Solo his name. It's just not necessary. <laughs> it's, it's an over-explanation, which we just don't need. You well, know? it's a question no one was asking, if you think about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, I never wondered why is his name Solo. Han Solo. That's easy enough yeah. for me. It's a space last name. You know, Mike, His I like is... your name, but where'd you get that name, Mike? You yeah, know, right. I just can't relate Some to Some guy must know. have given yeah, it to the, you. The reason his name is Han Solo is because George Lucas probably thought it was clever when he made it up, but that's really all there is to that's it. That's all I that's need. That's all I need. That's all there is to any character name ever, right. is that the writer just made it up. Colin, what's your tops and bottoms on Solo? Let me introduce with... some tops and bottoms. I'll tell you for the top, um, I, liked, uh, I liked L3. I thought she was wow. very interesting. Ooh. We're talking about the droid. I know that's going to be Ooh, a, a controversial a choice there. Um, I don't. I didn't like how. I don't like how she acted. Unlike droids we would have seen at that time. Obviously, C three PO and R two D two very stiff, very slow, uh, and she's got a little more energy and more motion. But I, I thought she was a wonderful character. I know you guys can't see this, but I'm shaking my head right now. X is not color. liking it. I'm telling you, I'm seeing a lot of eye think, rolls from uh, the other guys here. 
you don't think it's strange that it, she's a female robot that has like these like wide hips and like weirdly curved. Stop body. objectifying the droids, Jacob. Yeah, and beyond there, that, yeah, uh, an absolutely sexual relationship implied with Lando Calrissian. Yeah, that was weird too. Well, we were talking about it a couple weeks ago, and and the writers had come out and said that Lando was pansexual, and we were all kind of like, oh, is that necessary? What does that mean? What does well, that mean? Well, now obviously, based after seeing the movie, it's very important because that robot was getting it. No, oh, absolutely. All of a sudden, it becomes a Futurama episode. But uh, you know, I can put up with that. As I mentioned in the past, I'm not. A huge fan of Lando Calrissian's character, so I'll throw him on there as the uh, up for me too. I understand what you're saying, Jacob, as far as development. That's my issue with all of the characters in this movie. Oh, as sure. far as the crew goes, as far as everyone, I don't know. It's any all so of these surface people. level. It's so surface level. Uh, I'm a huge fan of what Disney is doing with these movies. I think they're doing great, but my big question might be whether or not they are bad at character development in general. We got that same complaint with Rogue One, and we're seeing that with the core stories. Oh, Finn isn't developed enough over the course of two movies. You know, I I'm, I maybe start to feel the same way. I mean, not just even Finn. We see it in characters like Poe. I mean, basically every new character they've introduced, their motives are a little weak. No, they're kind yeah. of a shadow of an older character. Right. And I would say the flaws of this movie are very similar to me to the flaws of Rogue One. Oh, absolutely. I love that take, Jacob. Yeah. Definitely for me as well. Both of those movies were heavily troubled in the post-production uh, and production levels. I mean, there was a lot of reshoots and a lot of retooling of story elements in both of them. Yeah, there's so. a lot of rumors that Rogue One, Tony Gilroy, the director, took over that as well, just the same way that Ron Howard uh, took over in reshoots for this one. And again, with Rogue One, you know, we saw that comic book come out that has all those extra scenes put back in. Uh, I'm curious if we might see something like that for Solo down the line as Ooh, well. that's an interesting tease. Well, if I can go ahead and throw my top and bottom out there while we're on this topic. Hit us, Mike. Uh, my favorite thing about the movie is the secret cameo at the end. It's not secret, but that made me happy, and we'll go into that. Also, another thing I enjoyed about the film is the action. It's fun. Like, you know, you got Woody Harrelson flipping blasters. Like, there's fun things to it. Some of the dialogue is snappy. But my least favorite thing about it is just how it takes everything you love about Han Solo and makes it, like, almost inconsequential. His name, got it from a random dude. His blaster, got it from a random dude. Gives you an answer to questions you know, again you didn't ask. It's like... Okay, he just got that gun and just kept it forever because he's like, sweet, this guy betrayed me. I'll keep the gun he gave me. So, yeah. Kaito, what do you have to say? Yeah, man, they ruined the mystique of Han Solo. You know what I'm saying? Like, they could have kept that a secret, you know? Yeah, well, to add to that, I mean, the arc that he goes through in this movie is similar to the arc that he goes through in A New Hope, and it kind of invalidates his character at the beginning of A New Hope because he's already, like, you know, giving to a rebellion at the end of the movie, like giving the coaxium to the rebellion. I was about to say, literally the Cloud Riders say you should join up with our rebellion, and he gleefully turns away. We've seen that before, certainly. But at the same time, you see, like, at the beginning of A New Hope, he's supposed to be, like, this morally dubious character, yet you already see that he's already gone through some character development on that. He always did the right thing. Yeah, but, I mean, I think that's one of those things, like, people are getting hung up on weird details, like, the mystique of his blaster. Is it that mysterious? Is it that cool of a blaster? It's a blaster. Everyone has one. Have you played Battlefront 2? Have you been hit with that blaster? That's a one-shot kill, baby. That's a one-shot kill, baby. It's a DL-44. It's a very powerful weapon. Right. Um, all right. So we got our tops and bottoms. We kind of know we have a mixed bag here. You know, like, some people liked the L3. Some people liked, you know, certain elements here. Let's get into it. Let's start with the plot. And let's break it down. Let's really get into it. So here we go. We're going to talk the plot of Solo Star Wars Story.
So we'll go act by act here. Uh, starts up, we start act one. Uh, we see Han and his girlfriend, Kira, on Corellia. Spelled with a Q. And an apostrophe. Kira. That's how you know it's Star yeah, It's Wars. not the Death Note, okay? Netflix fans, get out. You, you sure it ain't. Never mind. Kira. So he's with his girlfriend, Kira. Sorry, Kyle. So we see them as almost slave children. He's under the thumb of an overlord called Lady Proxima, who's a grindelid female crime boss on Corellia during the Imperial era, who seems to be taking orphans and uh, leading almost like Fagin uh, down a path of crimes. Uh, I kind of had a problem with that initially. I was mentioning this to Joe off mic. In my mind watching that, I thought, well, here we go. We have Han Solo once again under the thumb of a slug-like creature. We've seen that before. So you're telling me his whole life he's been indebted to these odd, monstrous mob bosses? But isn't that what happens when you're just like a scum rat from the street? See, I really like when we meet Han Solo at first. They literally call him a scum rat, which is a street rat, which is Aladdin. Disney. Yeah, very Aladdin. Very true. Very true. So, I mean, I like... I don't like Proxima. She looks like the snake. I from, don't like Proxima. She looks like the snake from Dark Souls. Ooh, I like that. And that I like that. I'm like, oh, hey, it's a Frampt is out here. Um, I don't mind her. Wait, wait, was that the uh, the the Twilight Snail? The 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 centipede lady. Yeah, Ooh, get hit the by water. the sun. Don't like the sun. Yeah, don't like exactly. the sun. Exactly. Yo, that was whack. <laughs> Leader of the group called the White Worms. So we get a lot of interesting crime syndicates in this. We get Crimson Dawn, the White Worms. Again, Joe, you're right. We really are building out that world. Yeah, that's it's what just we're saying. A rock. That was one of my favorite elements, just like building it out. You know, we don't see so much of this stuff in the original storyline because it's just the the rebels and the empire. This is like okay, good well, versus who are bad. The, yeah, good versus bad. It's really surface level. This is kind of all the people who live in that world and how they get by day to day. That's one thing I want to give the uh, intro to this movie, the setup. Um, a lot of people say the first act is really like a drag, but I do enjoy the world building, like Joe said. Like, it shows you these everyday people. He works on a shipyard or lives near the shipyard. Like, you just see the average people who aren't Jedis or Empire just trying to get by. Uh, yeah, to, to add to that, um, I like the world building in the beginning, but I felt like the beginning was very rushed. And I wonder if that's another casualty of the behind-the-scenes drama of this movie because it just all felt like it was just like, so then this happens, then this happens, then this happens, and now we're here. Now you know Han is in the Imperial Army, blah, blah, blah. It just all happens so fast. Well, it's, it's like, interesting that you're kind of spelling it out that way. I've read a lot that people are thinking that is the Lord and Miller touch, that first act, and then we see Howard coming in and sort of twisting that around. Well, because that is very much how Lord and Miller operate. It's this, this hyper film where it's just moving at a very quick pace, it's it's a joke a second. It's it's going very fast. Yeah, and one thing though, if that is all the Lord and Miller stuff, you know that George Lucas and Ron Howard and Harrison Ford all worked on American Graffiti, and they had yeah, the, the racing the scenes and stuff with the classic cars. That makes sense. Absolutely. So if that racing scene in the opening act was a Ron Howard thing, it makes sense. If it wasn't, it kind of throws it out of balance for me. So I just I just want to throw it out there now. I'm a huge Lord and Miller fan. I love their style of filmmaking. I just don't think it necessarily translates to playing in other people's sandboxes, which we've seen them do with like the Flash movie uh, that they were attached to, and then that kind of fell off. Like they're really good at doing their own thing, what they did with the Lego movie, but I don't know if they're really great at playing in other people's universes. See, I have to go the other way on this. I think the, I mean, no one can really know for sure, but I think the Lord and Miller cut would have been better than what we got because I think Ron Howard 
is competent, but I think he took a lot of what was going to make this movie unique out of the movie and just made it a very generic Oh, movie absolutely. He's me. a journeyman for sure, right? Yeah, he's mm. competent. He's t- No one can say he's not competent, but he's just very... He doesn't have his, a lot of his own style or his own like flair to it. Much more by the books. Yeah. Yo, so this is back on the... Um, this goes back to the whole world-building thing in mm-hmm. Act 1. Yeah. Like, okay, so I hear you guys getting into the whole world-building thing, but like... For me, honestly, I couldn't get into it because I just didn't like Aaron that much as Han Solo. Oh, really? He's pulling you out. Yeah, like just the joke with the thermal detonator. And I was like, yo, that is whack. That's corny. That's That's, funny because that is is my favorite joke in the whole movie. That's the joke you dug. Let's (laughs) talk about the comedy for a minute. (laughs) It was a little little hard for me. I understand that these movies have to be pretty appealing now and that they're, I don't want to say forcing comedy into these things, but it almost feels that route. Did, Did it work for you guys? See, I thought there wasn't enough comedy. Like, I think that it was a movie that seemed like it should have been more comedic, and it was very lighthearted in tone, yet the jokes weren't funny at all. And to me, it's like, if you look at something like Thor Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok was able to be very funny while still having serious dramatic moments and also having action moments. While progressing the story, sure. So why can't Han Solo be something like that? Like, to me, a Han Solo movie is more lighthearted, is more comedic, and this movie just didn't have it. Yeah, he's kind of that rogue who's going to give you that little bit of an edge. Word, I agree with that. Like, I think that, you know, the dialogue that was written for Han is what Han would say. It's just the actor himself could not embody it. do it, wow. And, And people are saying... Like, oh, well, we didn't cast this guy because he's just an impression of Han. Well, maybe that's what they needed. Maybe they did need a Han impression, because, or not a Han impression, but a Harrison Ford impression because Harrison Ford did the best Han. So. But I think it's important to move beyond Harrison Ford when you talk about the character as a whole. Because, look, and again, uh, the fans of this podcast will tell you I love Harrison Ford. Indiana Jones is my end-all, be-all. At some point, you just have to realize if they're going to keep doing these, you're going to have to accept that other actors are going to pick up other roles. Let the past die. Kylo says it himself, guys. What? Uh, yeah, and I just wanted to say um, I agree with Kylo to agree. While I didn't think that Alden Ehrenreich was terrible, and I get that he was putting his own spin on it, at the same time... It just he didn't have enough to do in the movie. Like he's in like almost every scene, yet it feels like he's always just a passive character. Like he's always standing around, just smirking, kind of, and not really being an an active character. No, the whole film happens to him. Yeah, a lot of time he's just standing around while Beckett or someone else is is in control, basically. But isn't that kind of how he works in the movie? I mean, in the original Star Wars series, he's not progressing the plot. Does it kind of almost feel like we should have let Han Solo stay at the level he was, where he is not necessarily the leading man because a rogue shouldn't be the leading man? Right, but this is his movie, so he should be the leading man. Ooh, yikes, you're right on that, Jake. Well, sticking on all nine, Reich, let's just get our opinions on this. Let me give mine first. I think he was the most Han Solo whenever he had Chewbacca next to him. When the two of them could play off each other, fantastic. When he had to interact with a character that we didn't know as well, I, I kind of saw through him a bit. So let's get him off planet really quick. All right, so he's in Corellia, and then he tries to join the Empire, right? 
I just love that when we meet Han Solo, he is working on the docks like a fucking Springsteen character. I could have been a champion. Yeah. <laughs> ra- <laughs> racing like convertibles with his girl. I mean, I love that element to the character. To me, it's very Springsteen. Like, that feel, yeah, and that's it feels so fucking genuine to me. I think that's a lot of what like Ron Howard was trying to do. I don't know if it oh, works necessarily for everyone, but I think it was trying to capture this old-timey Hollywood element to it. Was Han Solo always a simp? Because that's how I felt in the first act. Like, he's just a big simp. And I'm like, yo, this is not my Han Solo. Well, maybe this is how he learned. He's a rogue with the heart of gold, and he cares about his people. I love that. He's a big simp. Well, that's the thing. His weakness is his heart, right? Always. I mean, we see that with Leia in the future. We see it with Kira now. Yeah. But that was his arc, though. And yet he never mentions Kira in the original series. Yeah, very strange on that, but we won't we won't focus on that too. Is, I want to hear Joe's take. Is that very strange though? Like I feel uh, like fans are just being such big babies about this. I don't, like it didn't It's worth mentioning. I mean, obviously they can't retroactively it? add it in there, but do you, you mention do you mention all your girlfriends My dark all your ex girlfriends to yeah, your girlfriend? But I mean, she she was someone who was actively involved with like Darth Maul and stuff. You'd think it would have come up at some point. We well, see. we don't know that he knows that yet. And did it have anything to do with what he's doing with the rebellion? Like, I feel like people are a little harsh on it filling in gaps. I, I, again, like my bottom was the solo reveal. Uh, but, you know, a movie's going to have elements to it. You can't say, oh, well, he didn't mention that again. I don't, I don't tell you guys well, my the, backstory every time we hang out. Right. The problem goes back to, like, the interesting part of Han's life begins, in my opinion, with A New Hope. So to make a, a, a movie about something that you didn't need to make a movie about, obviously they had to flesh it out, but it the whole movie to me is just so unnecessary, I guess, is my take on it. It seems like we all got a lot of opinions about the film as a whole. Should we just, let's get through what happens, and then let's get in there, <laughs> Let's right? keep moving, folks. Right, let's, let's keep, keep moving, going. listeners. So we see him joining the army uh, right afterwards. He, leaves, he loses Kira. She gets picked up, uh, unfortunately, and he goes and joins the army, and we get that name solo. Yeah, and also the Imperial March being featured in World. How did you guys feel about hearing it basically in a We Want You Uncle Sam style poster? Yeah, all of a sudden fine. it becomes I like diegetic. Ooh, I yeah. don't know. No, It's no. like an Imperial propaganda movie. To me it works because it's like that, that would be like a, a piece of music that you might use in a, a propaganda piece like that i love it countries have their their national anthems why would the emperor not have a a song and also may i add that that song has also been used in uh rebels i believe before in a imperial recruitment video so oh wow that i did not know very good catch jake nice throw but let me say this that means then when the emperor lands on the death star and return of the jedi and we hear that imperial march is that being played out loud for everyone i hope there's a band standing (laughs) off to the side that we don't see see just like oh guys he's landing he's landing (laughs) oh yeah you know there's some yeah it's the cantina band too there's some stormtrooper yeah to me that's a lot like the uh the nazi films of like um you know lenny reifenstahl like him coming down the ramp like the music playing that to me feels very so like joe just said with the casablanca reference i would definitely say that that is a howard element for sure then old-timey hollywood coming back i like the idea of seeing a recruitment video maybe i don't like the song being in there but it's cool to be like oh hey are you a dude who hates your job on the docks come join us you can shoot laser guns right you know like it makes sense um what did you guys think about the um him his first meeting of chewbacca the mute cute yeah, because to me, the implication that Chewbacca was there, like, eating 
people yeah. was like a little disturbing to me. Oh, but, but they see him as a monster. That's always been Chewbacca's downfall. Is but that people? Do Wookiees eat people? No, I wasn't aware of that. absolutely do not. Eat people. I mean, well, they, maybe. Okay, but <laughs> yeah, the animals implication eat what they eat. in that movie is that before Han got jumped down there, like they dumped other people down there, and then Chewie would just eat them, or just rip their arms off. But if they were starving him. And keeping him prisoner underground. I mean, wouldn't you eat whatever you can get? That's a little darker than the tone they're giving me in this Ooh, movie. Yeah, the people you're fighting. <laughs> I don't know. But I like that about this movie. It showed kind of the 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 underbelly of the galaxy. You see some some seedy characters. I mean, I'm uh, I have mixed feelings about him speaking Wookiee. I think his uh, his accent was pretty thick. It was a very human <laughs> accent. <laughs> he had a yeah, where did a scum rat w- learn Wookiee language? And again, everyone else is surprised. That's a question I do have that they didn't answer. I mean, you got to grift where you got to grift. Maybe he grift some Wookiees back in the day. Who knows? Maybe, but they don't really like ever explain that to me. That's kind of a plot hole. Let me tell you how we got Solo's last name, but we ain't going to tell you how uh, you know he, he's speaking Chewbacca. No, right. no, no. That's a mystery for sure. I would be more interested in seeing a Han Solo sequel. I think a Han Solo sequel would actually be better than this movie because they get a lot of the origin origin story stuff out of the way. It's like superhero just, films. They can just get over it. Yeah. Spider-Man Usually 2. the second one is better than the first one because they don't have to do the origin story. Anymore. Yeah, Mike, like you just said, Spider-Man 2. And walking out of Deadpool, my first comment was, oh, I think Deadpool 2 will be great. I kind of feel that way with Han Solo as yeah, well. Yeah, same. And I'm also interested to see the Kira-Darth Maul storyline continue because that to me was probably the most like the most interesting thing to me at the end of the movie was what's going to happen with her and what's going to uh, happen with Darth Maul. It just felt thrown into me, but we'll oh, get really? to it. Yeah, I love Darth Maul, but let's uh, yeah keep it rolling here, Joe. So he is a mud trooper, which was an awesome element to see another new stormtrooper uh, fighting like the for the look Emperor. Of the, the look of how they ha- kind of had the... Someone had the helmets of the stormtroopers. Some had other parts, and they were all muddy and just. Oh, I of, loved it, and we found yeah. him three years later on Mimban as a mud trooper fighting uh, fighting the rebels. And, and we like never him. see the enemy, which fighting I thought was somebody. also really great. Oh, I guess that's true. We never see who he's fighting, but they're this is their planet. We're we're invading their territory. Okay, Han, you got a good heart. I gotcha. You know, right? So, but also that's his mouth getting him in trouble, which is always the case. That's true. That is very true. His mouth always gets. And him I in did trouble. like the introduction of Beckett and his crew. I thought that was pretty cool. Even though we'll we'll probably get into Beckett's crew, but totally wasted opportunity for those characters. Well, let's get in there right now. So he's a mud trooper. He runs into Beckett. They're pulling their own grift, pretending, pretending yeah, pretending to be troopers. So let's let's talk a little bit about when he meets up with his new family. He's got Chewbacca. Where's the crew at? I hated it. Wow, really? I have a note here that says Woody Harrelson, Laser Master, because he was flipping his pistols. <laughs> that was I love that. I love that. He was no, cool I really that liked Woody Harrelson's character. I really liked Beckett. The other two characters, Thandie Newton as his love interest. Oh, that was the, the low one. for me, absolutely. Yeah, totally wasted. And they could have been more interesting, but they die in like the very next scene, and it's like, what's the point of it? Why did you even have them in the movie? Well, well there's like fast. four scenes between them. Yeah. I just hate happen. how the whole thing happened. Like, Han rode up on dude like, yo, I know you stealing some shit, dog. Let me hop in on that. It's like, what? Oh, that was Han to me to blackmail himself onto a crew and get out of a bad situation. Yeah. I loved that. I, I mean, that's know. a that, it was just It was just, just whack. If I was the Woody character, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but isn't that exactly what he did? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that what is he an did, odd story but, element. But then, like, you know, like, you know, you got Chewie and Han chilling or whatever. And then they're just like, oh, yeah, we need a Wookiee. 
fuck Han Solo. And it's called Han Solo the movie. They're kind of disregarding Han Solo. I'm like, come on, what is what the fuck is going on? Once again, he's not the agent of uh, the action of the plot. But let me ask you this. What did Beckett's crew add to this movie? Okay. In fact, I think um, his love interest played by Thandie Noon, I can't remember her name. Um, Mrs. Beckett? Yeah. She actively undermines Beckett's whole character, which is that he doesn't trust anyone. So he says, never trust anyone, right? Yet, and then Han Solo says, but you trust her, right? And he's like, I don't trust anybody. But clearly he does trust her. And then she, when she dies... If if she died like betraying them or something, then that would reinforce the point. But actually, but she no, died. She yeah. sa- she sacrifices herself to save Beckett and Han and the other characters, and that totally undermines Beckett's whole character. Sure, that undermines Beckett's character, but I think it reinforces the message of Star Wars, which is about how people relate to each other more than anything. And she gives it up for her team. I think what that crew adds to this film is disposability. You have these characters yeah. that you can get the audience interested in just enough to then kill off because they're not in a new hope. They're not in the other films, which I think is the biggest flaw of what Disney is doing Uh, with rogue one. And with solo, we're introducing all these characters and rather than making me care about them, I just assume they're going to be dead by the end of the movie. In rogue one, it's obvious rogue one. It made sense for them to all die at the end, but in this one, they all die too. Yeah. And I just felt like they didn't, there is no point of those characters and especially the terrible, multi-armed character that i think was voiced by john favreau hell who, yeah he was he was supposed I to be like a comedic him. really i <laughs> yeah. couldn't stand him like everything he said was like supposed to be a joke but it wasn't funny it was just cringy yeah but no one on the team thought it was funny either he was that cringy guy you work with he's kind of like shitty rocket though uh, yeah, I can yeah. see that for sure. Mike. Yeah. That actually brought him down now in my eyes. But I yeah. think even on the team, his death was scene was laughable, I thought. Like, yeah. So let's keep died. moving. So yeah. first off, uh, we see him desert. He tries to team up with Beckett. Beckett turns on him. He gets thrown in a pit, and he has to fight a Wookiee where he meets a guy named Chewbacca. I like that part. Yeah, I mean, how he meets Chewbacca. It's it kind of okay. cool. He can use his mouth to get him out of trouble for once. Like that was I didn't good. like the Wookiee speaking part, but I did like how they met. Hey, it was interesting to me. Did you guys like the other Wookiee played by Anthony Daniels, typically C-3PO? No. Oh, I didn't realize that was Anthony Daniels. Are you talking about the weird-looking Wookiees that he sees on uh, Kessel? Yes, when Those he eventually frees later yeah. when we get to the Spice Mines. Guys, yeah. did we ever did learn a like name the for them? I do not believe so, no. But no. I, oh, I thought bummer. that was a female Wookiee. I didn't realize yeah, that I think was, it was I thought it was a female, Daniel. too. And I just did not like the look of it all. It was very strange looking. Oh, well, maybe you've never seen more than one Wookiee, dude. But we saw Revenge Wookiees the in the Star Wars Holiday Special. Well, that begs a <laughs> well, question, <Revenge> then. It <laughs> takes place on Kashyyyk. Was Thank that you. supposed to be Mala, his wife? I don't no think so. No way. I don't think they're throwing that no, much No, 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 no. They're not trying to do that much at no. this point. So he meets Chewbacca. He bargains his way onto the crew, meets his best friend. And what do we learn about this uh, this job they're trying to run? Oh, uh, hyperfuel. We need that. Well, and an interesting tie-in in that we know that that's what Han was trying to bribe the Imperial officer with in the first scene to get off-world. Calaxium. Calaxium. We go, we go from a universe that never cared about fuel to The Last Jedi where, oh, we don't have enough gas. And then even in the Han Solo film, now fuel is a big thing. That's like a very Star Trek conceit. It's a very Star Trek thing. Oh, we don't have enough dilithium, right? So now in Star Wars, fuel is a big deal, even in the Solo movie. So that could also carry over some of the animosity from Last Jedi. Like, we've never talked about fuel, but it's the main MacGuffin. I guess, but when you're going to keep making movies, you have to come up with other points to talk about. So it makes sense, like, oh, they never touched fuel before. 
of course, they're going to start working with it now because that's something that's an untapped element in the universe. Yeah, depleted resources, a reason for the Empire to, to be attacking these people makes sense to me. Yeah, I thought that was... You cool. can't have depleted resources in a fucking galaxy. You can. Well... You can if the Nazis are running. Have it. you heard of Thanos? Yeah, Ooh, I thought I the I true. thought the I fuel know. angle was fine, and actually I like because it kind of fit in the whole space western that they were going for. It kind of had a Firefly vibe to me, and I like that. They do a train heist. It's very yeah. western. Oh, that, absolutely! They're basically trying to get drums of oil, right? right. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of Mad Maxy almost. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. I love G- that. Too, give me the definitely. juice. Right? And the train heist was probably the best action set piece in the movie for well, sure. Let's just hop there, right? So they want to get coaxium. Because they owe the gangster. They promised they would get this whole bunch of coaxium. They bring Han and Chewie onto the crew. Because they need a strong Wookiee because that stuff's heavy. Yeah, they don't want Han. I, they don't want Han. They just want the Wookiee. But it's called Han Solo story. Yeah, the whole movie, Han Solo. A solo a Star Wars story. But they is want the Wookiee. They just want the Wookiee. Nobody wants Han. Right, right. It's just how he glides through his life. I love it. I guess so. So that's it. We're doing a train heist. We know where the coaxium is going to be getting... Delivered to, we have a small window of opportunity, and we need to pick up this train cart now. Yeah, I think that was the best scene in the movie, and probably the best part of the, the highlight of the movie for me, and it was kind of downhill after the train. Well, I thought it was really cool. Um, in the expanded universe, we see the Millennium Falcon, that type of ship, used to, to push elements forward, and the, the hyper train actually looked like what would go in the place where the escape pod is in canon. So it was kind of cool to see some of that unused concept art slash expanded universe stuff put into the movies in some way. Hey, X, how do you feel about the train heist yourself? All right, so yeah, I like masks. So, uh, you know, that was cool. When When I was watching the train heist, I was like, yo, this is actually pretty dope. Like, I felt like I was watching Star Wars. So that was real cool. I, I really like that masked person. But in your mind, isn't that a little bit of a, this should be Boba Fett, it can't be Boba Fett, how can we make it like Boba Fett? I actually wasn't thinking that. I was just like, yo, because the mask looks so dope. I was like, yo, this is dope. I was excited to see characters who were not Boba Fett, who were not Bosk, who we had mentioned earlier in the film. You know, you got to start building new characters, and it was cool to see that with Infus Nest. Do you think she's going to have more of a, a role in the future Solo or Lando films? I think we could see her again if we do anything with the Crimson Dawn. I mean, they are the foils. You know, we have the, the pirates and the syndicates and the rebels and the Empire. Interesting. I kind of took more from the ending that we might see her becoming a rebel commander at some point. I don't know. I mean, now that we know she's a her... uh I don't know that Emphis Nest, like when they unmasked it, like I hate it because like I really liked Kylo Ren too, and then they unmasked him, and now I hate him. Throw it like, away. Like they just, it's like yo, keep the fucking mask on. That shit is cool. Like what the fuck? Like a luchador, they never take their mask off keep for the a reason, right? Well, I think Kylo without the mask is still cool, but uh, you and- came after his boy. <laughs> yeah, Emphis Nest. I just don't agree. I don't understand the whole reveal. Like they made it this big moment in the movie, and I was like, what am I? When am I supposed to be revealed? Like it's a, it's like a young girl, I guess. So that's why it's surprising because you thought it was like this bad guy. Or Were something. your expectations subverted? I guess, but I mean, just the reveal that it's a girl, like that seems kind of like, like fucking Metroid was doing that twenty years ago, and like it's kind of played Ooh, out. Same there. reveal. Ooh, 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 I love that. Damn, you got they just bit off Metroid, dude. Fuck Disney, I know, right? And I, that's why I thought like maybe. 
I thought for like I really thought that she was supposed to be the daughter of Beckett and Dandy Newton, which would I guess made sense, but it was just weird. Well, again, this is jumping ahead, but I yeah. think you thought that because they do play that moment where she takes off the mask and it's almost like you're supposed to know who she is. Right. Yeah, and you got yeah. There's like a musical cue or whatever. And it's like, what? Yeah. Who there's a, a push in on her. I mean, yeah. it's very cinematic and it's like, oh, that's some She girl. looks like she could be conceivably the daughter of Woody Harrelson yeah. and Val. I mean, like you, right. could, you could make that connection almost. All right, I mean, yeah, so the reveal is kind of weird. Like, is she important? Is she not? You know, we don't really know. But anyway, the main thing is they're trying to get the coaxium, and then what happens? Things fail. They blow it. The Cloud Riders come. Two of our members die. We lose uh, Old Six Arms. Does anybody even know his name? John Favreau. Old Six Arms. That's name what old they call Six him. Arms. John Favreau. Watch Your Pockets is his name. I'm going to call him okay. Goro Plus Two. Goro ah. <laughs> Plus Two. With, uh, so we lose him, and the crew is a little disheartened, so they know that they need to go meet the big guy. We go meet Dryden Voss, played by Paul Bettany. Quickly, Did we you? see Han Solo flying the ship. Ooh, our pilot's dead. We got a pilot. We got a pilot. Then we meet Dryden. Oh. I do like Dryden Voss as a character. I think Paul Bettany plays a good bad guy, and I'm a big fan of him as an actor. I think he's the best character in the movie. His performance. Oh, interesting. Joke? It's some I good agree. world building. Again, I mean, like his office is full of like artifacts from this universe. You know, we see Mandalorian Sith armor, weapons, Mandalorian a armor, complete set of Mandalorian armor. I Indiana gotta say, Jones I really love that idol. Yeah, again, as a as a huge indie fan, you see the the idol from Raiders of the Lost Ark and the skull from uh, Kingdom of the Crystal yeah. Skull. All right, so see, you guys say you saw all of that, but unfortunately, I did not. I mean, I love Star Wars, so I'm gonna see every Star Wars thing, but. I watch Solo on the bootleg, because oh. down with the Empire, that's Ooh. why. He, you call Disney the Empire. Yeah, he is on the Hot boycott, take. Solo boycott. You didn't see the Boba Fett armor? Whoa, whoa, I ain't telling nobody to boycott. This is just me personally. Not telling people what Y'all to do. Y'all could go like and see what you want to see, but me personally, I ain't giving Kathleen Kennedy my money. None of your credits are going Ooh. to their movie. Kathleen Calling Kennedy. Calling her out by name. All right, hopefully Ooh, she's listening. That. You listening? Anyway, I, please uh, give me a job. We had Drayden Voss. So Drayden Voss, we meet him on his yacht, uh, and, and we realize that Kira uh, works for him. We find her. Han meets his girl again. Yes, which again, uh, the coincidence of him running into her, too big of a coincidence for Three me. Three years later. Deus Ex Girlfriend. The, the yeah. Star Wars universe is built on coincidence. I guess you're right. You, like that. You are I mean, you got Biggs meeting up with Luke when they're in the Rebellion. I mean, what are the odds of, of any happening meeting in Star Wars? Ben, ben Kenobi on yeah, my just planet? just struck me as a very plot contrivance. Like, oh, and then he runs into the person that he's been looking for for three years. You're right. It is a movie. Yeah, but I agree. I agree with Bad you, though. Movie. It's all, you know, in Good a galactic don't do scale. Yeah, it's a little rough for me. I'm more on Jacob's side. But we see them. We get the bigger deal. We understand that uh, Dryden's working for a larger organization. This is Crimson Dawn. This is the criminal organization that seems to be running things. The big shadowy, you know, uh, mafia family that's running it all from behind the scenes. And I don't know about you guys, but personally myself, I was sitting there thinking, oh, okay, so these are the huts. When he's talking about the big boy that he reports to, he's talking about Jabba himself. See, but again, isn't that you just like... Trying to fill in blanks with characters you know, and well, if it was the Huts, wouldn't you have been disappointed? Because it would just be me, oh, you're throwing the Huts in. He's like a contemporary of the Huts. Like he's another. They're another crime family that kind of does the same thing the Huts do. And then of course Beckett ties in the Huts later at the end of the movie or references them. Um, but I thought, you know, Crimson Dawn is like just another version of, it's just another crime family, basically. What I'm excited to see is, again, the, this world-building element. 
uh, Crimson Dawn is it feels a lot like some of the families we meet in Shadows of the Empire, which Ooh. you know from our first episode on Star Wars, you'll remember is uh, something you see in the expanded universe, adding to the world of you know criminal elements in the galaxy. I think Drayden Voss, um, his performance is so good because he's that guy who's like, oh, it's all right. You messed up, but I might kill you right now. You can't really get a, pay, a bead on he where he is. He has his arm around your shoulder, but he's got a knife at your throat any other second. Yeah. That quiet intensity. Paul Bettany did a great he job. I love it. his performance. I feel like he didn't get a lot to do in the movie either other than kind of just, I mean, he's only in a couple scenes. I would have liked to see him do more, but definitely a good performance he is my favorite character in the film how about this originally a part cast to michael k williams who could not come back for the reshoots i love michael k williams shout out to the wire Ooh, loving that so ron howard brought on because he couldn't use michael k one of his staples paul bettany you know good friends long-running friends uh and brought him in I i thought he did a great job he did he did so paul bettany Drayden voss says hey where's my coaxium and he's gonna Basically, hey, you guys fucked up. I'm probably going to have to kill you now. Bust some heads. And then, This is why I like that character, because he's reasonable as shit. Yeah. He just, he's like, oh, all right. Okay, Han. If you want to do that, okay. If you get me what I promised, then we're fine. But if not, I'm going to have to yeah, kill that's, you. Yeah, that's why I liked him, because really, like, I mean, I guess he's a bad guy, but he's pretty reasonable. Like, if... If I was fucking with him, you know, I, I wouldn't want to cross him. I'd just do his job. Yeah, he I mean, it's the question of, is organized crime bad guys? I mean, they're organized. Yeah, as long as you get them what they want. And I also thought it was paid. cool that uh, it kind of had a little foreshadowing to the Darth Maul reveal that his, wet, his knives were kind of like a Darth Maul lightsaber. Oh, oh you get that red tint. Very interesting. Yes. I hated that. You hated oh, you that. Hated Joe, that? what do you feel about oh, that? Oh, lo- again, world-building. I love that. Those are old Sith weapons that you would see in the Knights of the Old Republic. Oh. Kaito, why did you hate that? They use crystals to get the red thing, right? Right. Right. So you telling me oh, there's a crystal kyber? up in that little kyber blade? Crystals. No, I don't think every laser-based weapon comes from kyber crystals because that would imply that everything in the... Uh, Oh, yeah, what they called yeah, the, but, the guards but, from Last Jedi? That was mine from Jeddah and Rogue One. Yeah. Right, but also, if... Dryden Voss is working for Darth Maul, then maybe Darth Maul gave him the supplies to make those. Just look at the Lord of Six spins. I mean, you have lightsaber staffs, you have the electricity staffs, you have the Royal Guard. Like, it doesn't need to be a lightsaber technology. It's just a weird energy field. Yeah, but the Six spin bat, like, you could see, like, it was made of stuff. The thing was just a little thing. Like, how is it going to have that laser power and a little switchblade? But I think his office did a good job of showing that, like, he is a collector. He's, a he's almost a, an archaeologist himself, where he's got these Mandalorian armor, Sith weapons, old timey stuff. He that has he's a been holocron. Collecting. He has a, a another great Easter egg, a Sith holocron right? sitting in the I background. That was really cool. I don't know, man. It's conceivable. So he gives him a new job. He says, hey, you fucked up. And then Han speaks up. Han and Chewbacca volunteer. They say, we will steal what you need. Uh, let's get this crew together. We need a ship. Uh, give us Kira. She can she can sort of be your informant on this. She joins the crew. And then they head off, heading to meet uh, the man with a plan and a ship himself, Lando Calrissian. Lando Calrissian. Playing um, Sabacc. 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 Very famous game. We've known that forever that uh, Han won the Millennium Falcon in a game of Sabacc, but we've never seen it on screen. Uh, yeah, so when I first saw Lando, like, you know, that whole scene unfold, at first I didn't even like Lando. I didn't like Donald Glover's Lando at all. I was like, yo, this is kind of like he's forcing himself to be a certain way. 
his dialogue was a little cheesy too, and I was like, yo, this is kind of whack. Lando's a pretty cheesy guy, though. Yes. I thought it was a pretty spot on like impression of Billy D. Williams, Lando. Could it be an impression of a cheesy guy, though? Yeah, but so basically, ex Kaido, what you're saying is you didn't like Han in this movie because he wasn't enough like Harrison Ford, but you don't like Donald Glover in this movie because he's too much of an impression. Star Wars fans are impossible to please. That's true. He wasn't even too much of an, of an impression to me. I just think his acting sucked. It sucked. Like, yo, like, I watched him trying to be all cool at the little table, like, oh, everything you heard about me, true. Like, yo, that was corny <laughs> as fuck. Like, but that Lando looked bad. Lando is corny as fuck. He always has been. He yeah, meets no, Princess but, but, Leia, the first thing he does is but hit Jacob, on her. But Jacob just said, like, oh, well, you think he's a bad impression. No, he's not a bad impression. That was just bad acting. Like, thought, that was bad uh, acting to me. I, I thought his dialect was spot on. Yeah, I thought he I thought started. he did a pretty good spot on impression of Lando. Whether or not it was a good acting performance, he didn't get enough to do to really determine that i found it interesting that of all the things they could have dialed in on we see him wear a cape in empire strikes back and all of a sudden he's just in like, love with wearing all he cares is a cape cape guy. what does that it's mean a closet full of capes yeah on our first star wars episode which if you haven't listened yet please go back and, and check, check that out, out. that's yep, our general two. take on all of star wars uh colin you mentioned that lando was your least favorite character because there was not enough character development for him I got to agree with you now. After seeing Donald Glover's Lando, I liked him, sure, but he does nothing no, in this he movie. he does nothing, and he's really still a nobody. More of a fault of the plot of the movie than it is with, with Lando as a character. Yeah, but, I mean, that's, you know, you develop the characters based on the movies. Right. In the movies, he doesn't have much to do. One if, thing I do like, though, is the, um, just another little aside, is that the way Lando... Uh, pronounces Han he says Han right in Empire Strikes Back throw back there and uh, they kind of explain that is that that's kind of a dig at Han as kind of like uh, emasculating him a little bit and I like that uh, the easiest way to disrespect someone is just call them something they don't want to be called right and I like the one thing I like about these new movies like Rogue One and Solo is that they're able to kind of explain certain elements of the original series in a way that kind of adds a little something to it you know yeah there's the the fake punch going into the hug that we see lando and han do to each other multiple times this movie did a great job of playing on expectations and things that we had seen i don't think they were trying to answer questions like fans say they were just you know making you laugh if you had seen the movies before word word and this is going back to what the homie joe was saying a little bit earlier like how you can't please a star wars fan or whatever like how jacob was saying uh you know, like, you don't like Han because he's not an impression. Or what would you I forget. But look, look. So everybody, the critics really raved over Lando because he was a good impression oh, of Billy him. D. they fans, too. Because he was a good impression of Billy D, right? Yeah. So why wouldn't they cast a good impression of Han? Like, you know what I'm That's saying? Like, point. I don't fucking understand. Do you remember that guy's name, the Han impression guy? X. I forget. Oh, the Which guy, the young guy who played him. Yeah, I, no, I remember I his name, but like I'm losing it. Yeah. We do have information now that he did audition, though, so did not earn the part. Well, um, maybe just his acting wasn't just up to snuff. Like, just because you're good at an impression doesn't mean you can carry a whole movie. Exactly, Jacob. You can't build a movie around an impression. All right. Well, and fair on enough. It, I mean, Lando. An impression is okay because he's not the main character of the movie. So Lando's fun. And then here we go. So he's getting the ship from Lando. Lando has the Falcon. They start playing the card game. We think here it is, the famous card game. Oh, where Han sure Solo wins the Millennium win. Falcon. Right, and he puts down the there. bluff. He puts down the hand. Not enough. He, he blows it. 
He because Lando is cheating, right? Which plays in at his character. You know, Lando's always got a trick up his sleeve. He really does. Sometimes it's Darth Vader. Another nice little uh, Western influence there with the little mechanism in his sleeve. Any card game. Yeah, that I did not like. Oh, you didn't like that? Classic Hollywood coming back. I think that's another Ron Howard. uh, You know, he wanted this to feel like an old-timey movie, and I think that plays. And it plays back into the ending, too. Right. Oh, absolutely. But to me, cheating hologram cards, that to me seems like that's the great trick of how he wins the card yeah, game. Yeah, you don't sure, really need a little course. mechanism. Like, it could have been something else than just the old-fashioned Western, like, spring-loaded thing. But why Why can it not be that? You he know what I mean? Like, he like, could have used it's his a throwback. droid to cheat for him. Oh, right, so let's know. talk about his That would not be equal droid. card rights. The SJW droid. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, so I we meet his uh, servant, assistant, girlfriend. What do you guys say? L337. Elite. I don't know. I don't uh, know. His bot friend. <laughs> that's his pan. That's his pan. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the thing is, like, this, this droid that's all about, like, freedom and, like, equality for droids and everything. You put... the. the she ends up like being put into the Millennium Falcon. She where becomes she has... a slave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stop jumping ahead to the yeah, end here, of the movie. Here's the question. Sorry. Right, right, right. So she's introduced, right? You know, and there's a droid fight club happening. You know, we have a first Ron L- Howard's brother. L337, first of all, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, an Wait. interesting director, writer. She sounds like yes. Phasma, dude. She, that's my oh, biggest problem. Absolutely. Uh, I did not enjoy L3 as a character, but I hated that she sounded exactly like Fast. A little background on her. Um, she made this TV show called Killing Eve, which is a, it's a British TV show. It's, it's doing grave reviews wow. on BBC yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah, she's a name to, to check out in the future. She's okay. definitely going to be big. I don't watch stuff that ain't cartoons. Or Star Wars. <laughs> but uh, overall, did not like the L3 3 Leet, if you uh, her, if you notice her name spells Leet. She's a real P-A. gamer girl. L three three seven. Yeah, Colin, I don't like you the loved lead. her. I loved her. So I here's what I liked about her. I liked yeah. the attitude. I liked uh, I liked the intensity. I liked that she had a drive and that she had sort of what I would call thoughts in her head that I've never seen thoughts. in any droids. <laughs> you know, she's she's interested in freeing other droids. You got C three PO, the goofiest son of a bitch in the galaxy, who's never had that idea in his life. I did like that she had motivation as a character. What I didn't like is that the anthology movies have a sassy droid. We have K2SO in Rogue One, and then we have L337. K2SO, I think, is a much better character than L3. Like, I just didn't like her personally. Sure, I agree with that. I like K2SO more than L3, but I hate that that is the, oh, let's add a funny droid in. That seems like a cheap laugh for me that we're getting... But in these anthology really films. She was just kind of there. Oh, in my theater, she got the biggest laughs. Well, yeah, I thing. would say the same. This type of like morality with droids and androids, that's really more of a Star Trek thing. The way I brought up fuel, like why if she started this revolution and was taking off restraining bolts why did nobody care about that later on well that's interesting it's kind of uh, we see that in Return of the Jedi right Jabba torturing those droids that, that was kind of hearkening back for me well and even True. before that we have A New Hope we don't serve their kind here oh I L3 forgot about that moment says the line they don't sell our kind or they don't serve our kind here in Solo it's a throwback but why have no other droids been sparked by the spirit of the rebellion ha <laughs> ha you know, that's all I'm saying. If this was a big issue for droids and she was pioneering this, and, and it's good. I mean, it makes sense, but it doesn't show up in the original trilogy. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if that is a tenant of the Rebel Alliance, if they are fighting for droid rights. Right. But again, that, that harkens back. I think people like, 
you can't change what was referenced in the original series. You have to build out new stuff. This is building out new stuff. Well, we get a new droid character who's fun or not fun, but they still die in the end, just like uh, in yeah. Rogue One. And to go, does she die in the end though, or uh, is she? The the I don't know where Falcon. I don't know where your ship learned how to communicate. Can I also nitpick that. a little bit? Her her arc is that um, when in when they go to Kessel, the mines of Kessel, and she first like takes the restraining bolt off the one droid and is like, "Go start a revolution," and then and then she says like, "I think I found my calling." But like, wasn't she already doing that before? So she already knew that that was her calling. So I just yeah, that's a little rough. That well, to me seemed like another behind the scenes thing where it's like something changed in the new, in the new cut because it just didn't make sense. Are we talking about her blowing up yet? Well, no, we, no. we're, we're uh, jumping to the end of the movie. Colin, can you get us back yeah, on track? Yeah, this is not an here? So let's keep running here. So Lando agrees. He cheats, he wins, but says, you know what? You guys are cool. I'll join your mission as well. They get on the Millennium Falcon, and they head on their way to Kessel, which we were just talking about, where they are going to pick up that Calaxium. Kessel, of course, the most famous fact about Han Solo. Were you guys happy to see that? The Kessel run is a mixed issue for me. Yeah, Mix, you're one of the me. guys who uh, who holds down to the parsec issue. No, if the ship is supposed to be fast, and the way he gets through the Kessel Run is by taking a shortcut. That's not speed reliant. <laughs> no, it is not. Yeah, that's but it my is thing. Because he wouldn't have been able to get away from the black hole essentially if the ship wasn't fast enough. But, but it wasn't. Is it fast enough? It's not. This is this is the real tell. It's powered by that unrefined calaxium that they get from the spice mines. So let's let's. Let's talk about the spice mines a little bit. Yeah. We have them getting off the ship to pull their big grift, right? Mm-hmm. Kiara is selling them as slaves. We have Han and Chewie in chains. Again. Which We've is seen that a million times yeah, in a, Star Wars. Throwback. Um, we have Beckett, who's wearing the Lando costume from Return of the Jedi. Did you guys appreciate seeing that? No, I did not. That I, was, I, that's yeah. just that was a nice little... Me. I like to think Lando beat that guy up and took his clothes on the way in. But then he held them on the Millennium Falcon for twenty years, ten years. I, I don't know. I can't. Way really more than that. This this movie that. takes place eleven years before New Hope. Oh wow! Um, so you have eleven years before New Hope, and I think there's five or which, seven years between A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. It, and which Rebels doesn't really is like make two sense years before because that? the Han in this movie is about four years younger than the Han in A New Hope. But just is he? Out. I mean, he is. Yeah, he's like twenty eight. Han was like 32 or 33. But is he hope. like 28 or do aliens age different ages? It like, might be relative. He's not an alien, on, he's a human. When you're moving near he's light a speed, humanoid. you age slower. He lives on, he's from, he's Carillion. Right, but and, humans are you know, humans. You're, are they though? I mean, are That's they I humanoids? Thought. I don't know. The Star Wars universe is a little too much for me. I have no idea. Yeah, see, I think people just age the way they age based on what planet they're from. Like, Luke Skywalker is from Tatooine. You know, I mean, there's a reason if he was 18 Mc- in this movie. Sure, but it just seems like he's in his late 20s and he's in his early 30s in a New Hope. Oh, he's he's in his mid 30s in a New Hope. All right. Well, regardless of his age, he's trying to pull the score on Kessel, the spice mines themselves. So, do we succeed? Do we fail? What's up? No, they fail. L3 takes some damage too after trying to do that revolt that she's talking about. Yeah, back to that. I'm glad that happened. That was real cool. I like that a lot. Ah, uh, that's terrible. All right, you know, you know what was uh, oh man, it, it made me like cringe. And I was watching the bootleg, so the quality wasn't even good or nothing. But like, Lando came, ran up on her. She was, he was like, he was like, oh, you know my bae. 
and then like rubbed her mouth grill or something. Uh, I was like, yo, what the fuck is that? Big laughs. I have to in my agree theater. with X on that. Very uh, did not work for me. That's at true. All. That shit was whack. We do get the iconic Han Solo with the blaster pose, though. I've seen a lot of uh, side by sides of oh, him in A New Hope, and bro, now, bro, I hated the way he did it. I hated the way he, he didn't like he did it. Why? Looks exactly like him. I don't know. He's just something with the fucking third Aaron Wright guy. Feels See, fake. I feels feel phony. Like, I feel like that is very much in your head in terms of like, well, that's not Harrison Ford, so it's not Han Solo. I guess not. Which is which comes back to the point. They shouldn't have made a fucking movie because Harrison Ford killed that shit. Damn. So. Damn. Didn't need the Han they Solo movie. They didn't need the Han Solo movie. That's how man, we don't need any movies. I think we can all agree that we didn't. There's need no the reason. Movie. And I certainly agree that we didn't need the movie, but they're going to make it regardless. So I just wish they made a better movie. I mean, yes, to say we yes. don't need the movie, though, is is just a sentence that drives me nuts because you don't need any movie. Like, like you know, you, you didn't need that. You don't need any movie, man. I just need air, but food, and clothes. It's the most yeah. disposable hey, of any Star Wars movie. Like, I would argue Rogue One is way more disposable. I think they're both disposable. Like, I don't Rogue really One, literally like no that. one survives. The entire cast Han Solo is, is about Solo, at least. We are if they're going to make a Han Solo movie, they better make it fucking right. They didn't, so, you know, Han Solo Part 2 ain't happening. Sorry, guys. I think they made it as right as anyone could have hoped. Because I think this movie is doomed to fail from the get-go. It was, because, again, I don't think we needed a Han Solo origin story. I would have preferred, if they were going to make a Han Solo movie, make it between uh, Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. So the crew gets the coaxium. They get off the planet, although things are bad. The ship itself is badly damaged. uh, And then they land on the planet Savarine. And what's going down in the Savarine? See, I don't even know the planet name, man, because the movie's fucking forgettable. No, it, it goes I mean, by you've seen it once. Fast. You can't remember a planet's name. So that's, on Savarine, they have a refinement facility. I didn't remember right? it either. Yeah, they're going to Savarine because they're hoping that they can process the coaxium to make it usable. But instead, of course, they run into Enfris Nest. Who we think is here to steal the coaxium for nefarious purposes. But it turns out, trying to power the rebellion. That's right. Enfris herself explains they are not pirates. They are, in fact, rebels and that they need the coaxium for the rebellion. And, Mike, we talked off mic about this. This is your biggest contention with the movie. Yes, that is correct. You want to talk a little bit about Han Solo and the rebellion? Yeah, basically, my my feelings for the movie as a whole comes down to it has some fun action. But the reason it fails is it puts Han Solo too close to the creation of the rebellion. He should not have stolen all the coaxium for all the rebels. They said this could power an army. That is fucking dumb. Han Solo should have just I, had a random score. I 100% agree with you on that. Yeah. I agree, but at the same time, it's not like he doesn't take a cut. You know, like Han Solo does take a little bit for himself. But he gets enough in a for new the hope, he was never supposed to have had any contact with the rebellion before now. Like, he was just doing his own thing. Like, they're totally changing the character that he was in A New Hope. I would say I in think... this universe, it's too big. There's no way he couldn't have come into contact with the Rebels. There's no way he bought, stole all the coaxium for all of yeah, it. He was there at the, basically the birth of the Rebellion. In Star Wars, the Rebellion has been born five or six different times in canon and out of canon. I think it's one of those things where it's like, I agree it was too close, but he did take a score. Like if Han Solo really... And think about it, like... If you if you come into to ten pounds of cocaine, right, and you're a ah. drug dealer, you can't move ten pounds of cocaine. You can move 
a pound. Shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he takes a little bit that's easy enough for him to move himself. I don't think it really paints him in this, like, oh, he's a good... If he was a really a good guy, he would have given it all away for free. He right. still takes his cut. We're on Serene. The double cross happens, right? So we see Han be sympathetic to the Cloud Riders. This is where we get the reveal. She takes the mask off. She's a little girl. His mind is blown for some reason. I have no idea. Uh, and then he's, like I said, more sympathetic to her cause. He doesn't want to give this to Dryden Voss. However, he knows with Beckett that they are forced into that deal, so they take it to him anyways. This comes back to me saying Han is a simp. Here he is again, simping. <laughs> his I, heart is his I weakness. I fucking hate it. Yeah, I it's, it's interesting it. that they're building up in the prequels that way. So he's he's kind of blown away by this. He goes to Dryden Voss. Uh, they try the double cross, although it turns out Beckett's the one doing the double cross to Dryden himself. The most obvious double cross of all time. Oh, you mean the guy who keeps saying trust nobody isn't trustworthy? Yeah, they told you from the beginning. I don't think it was meant to be a surprise. I think everyone was expecting it, I and they should both, have been expecting it. I think it. both Beckett and Kira's uh, betrayals were so obvious that it really... It hurts the movie. I knew from the trailer that Beckett was going to betray him at some point. That's not how you make a suspenseful movie. I knew that too, though. Exactly. Everyone knew it. That's why... Who wants to see a movie where you know how it's going to end? The Kiara... Or, uh, Kira. Kira, whatever her name is. Yeah. Uh, her betrayal was easy to see because Amelia Clark it was terrible at the role. Ooh, I disagree. Jacob's got I some things disagree. to say. Right. Role, Game of Thrones. Yeah, kill. Yeah, yeah, so here's Clark my problem. Oh. And, you know, Sarah Connor, she cannot act her way out of a paper bag. Wow. Ooh. I, I Ooh. do not. Hot take, I, hot take. She's one of the best actors in that movie. Uh, she's actually. terrible. Okay. Her character wow. would have been great by anyone who could show any emotion. Like, there's an arc there that's hidden behind her pan They don't expression. give her shit to do in that movie. She's... Basically, she's there to be like, oh, I, I have a mysterious past. Damn. And At the end, she's going to do what she needs to do. And yeah. I like her character and I like her performance. I point. like her character. I hated her performance. Well, let's talk about another element of her character. So we see Beckett's betrayal, uh, which leads to Han uh, going up against Dryden Voss. Voss gets Chewbacca hostage. Things are really split apart. Everybody's running. Kira kills Voss, sends Han after Beckett, and then when she's alone... Who does she reach out and contact her actual superior? The fucking cop out. No. We're talking Darth Maul, baby. On screen for the first time since A Phantom Menace. How did you guys feel? Well, uh, before we talk about how we felt, I think it's just important to acknowledge Darth Maul was cut in half in The Phantom Menace. If you don't follow any of the expanded universe, what happened was he survived that because uh, Darth Mirians? Is that what, what are they? What's the species? Oh, Dothrakians. Dothrakians. Uh, they have an extremely high pain tolerance. So he ends up surviving, gets robot legs. He's driven purely by his hate, and that's what keeps him alive. We had seen him appear in, we had seen him appear in the Clone Wars and Rebels. So you know, diehard fans knew that he was alive. The second we saw those robot legs and that hooded figure. I mean, I, I started to, to slap the guy next to me going, hey, hey, that's Darth Maul. So, you know, for a casual fan, they would have been like, oh, I thought he died. Some of us diehards knew that that makes sense for him to be alive. Sure, but let's talk casual fans for a minute. You know, me, sure, I know that extended universe stuff, but seeing him again, all I'm thinking about 
I'm not even listening to his lines. I'm just thinking, when is when does this take place? Where does this place him? What is he acting like? What is he doing here? It, it distracted me far too much for what it needed to be. Well, since, you know, I I like Star Wars, you know what I'm saying? I've like, heard this, yes. Yeah, yeah, you Once know. Once or twice. I like Star Wars, so I know what's up with Darth Maul and stuff, but like at the, at when the end see of that Darth movie, Maul, when I saw feel? him, I felt like it was a huge cop-out. I like, only I, I hate it. I hate it. I only do not hate it because he was dealing with the Black Sun. He was combining all these criminal syndicates in the Clone Wars and in Rebels. He's kind of yeah. at the tail end of that. Like if you see Clone Wars and Rebels, you know, you know why he's in it. It's logical. Yeah. Well, to me, he should be a main villain for the Boba movie then, because you know he, he does be. the whole Mandalore takeover. So I think that would be a good way to tie in the Obi Wan and the Boba Fett movies if. Darth Maul could be a consistent character. Which is why I think this movie will be more appreciated moving forward. I think the world-building elements lay the groundwork for other anthology films we'll see. If what I hate about it is it kind of cuts Han Solo's legs off, it gives Darth Maul's legs back. Ooh, I like that. And that's why I like it. Yeah. To me, you know, it's just a little bit too much of, okay, he's back. Is that just you guys admitting you killed a very popular character in the first movie he appeared in and you wrote yourself into a corner? Like, well, why are you bringing back. this guy back? He was already back in But Clone I'm Wars talking again the movies. I'm talking but casual Clone Wars fan. and Rebels are canon, so it's not like he, if they're canon, then he's But been if you never watched that, you wouldn't know. I think it's them but... doing right. They did us dirty. George Lucas should know that he shouldn't have killed Darth Maul. The coolest thing about the prequels. Too badass. What you wanted to do was have Anakin have to duel Darth Maul for the right to be the true Sith apprentice and kill him. That's what you wanted, and they didn't do it. Why aren't you writing Star Wars movies? Yeah, that just made me feel so I'm liking that a lot. Kathleen, uh, normies like us at Twitter, DM me, slide in there. (laughs) Come on, come on. Let's go. Uh, But I'm just glad to see him back in the canon. So... We see Darth Maul. He's the mastermind. Kira's working for him. Kira's working for him. She's taken over as the new lieutenant. She's going to be leading this uh, faction of Crimson Dawn, where Dryden Voss used to. So uh, we leave that alone. That's Love kind it. of the last we see of her. Not much resolution for her character. Meanwhile, Han catches up to Beckett, kills him. Him and Chewbacca. Shoots first. Han always shoots first, Han baby. shoots first. Cannon. I see you guys right, yo, I'm going to give that. it to the movie. Like, I like that part a He's lot. He's in the middle of I his badass. It's perfect. Yeah, I the like bad it. guy's talking too much. Bam. It was all right. So him and Chewie turn over the coaxium over to Enfris. She offers for him to join the rebellion. He says, absolutely no way. He gets a little bit of that cut. What's he going to do with it? He's going to go right back to that card game. He's going to go see Lando Strippers. again. He's going <laughs> to he's going to try to get the Some Millennium Twilix. Falcon. Twilix. And we see it another scene it's of Sabak. He does the very famous hug. He steals the uh, cards that uh, Lando's been cheating with. In the last scene, we see him win. We know that he's right. getting that Falcon. Yeah. Can I just say that I'm more interested in, in seeing what happens to Kira's character after this movie than I am interested in seeing what happens to Han? That blows my mind. Who is Kira? I hated her. Yeah, she wasn't that good. Don't listen to Jacob. She doesn't act good. In the movie or as a actor. And yeah, she's terrible. Her performance is just terrible. And I she's disagree. like box office poison. I mean, no, she killed not. she killed the Terminator franchise. She did not kill she, the Terminator guess, franchise. Killed Solo. So let us just know what you think, listeners. Because she's in the movie, it's not that. That is not why the movie failed. But her performance is bad. So I if disagree. We're, if we're talking, you're throwing out box office poison. Is Solo a Star Wars story? Box office poison to the Star Wars series. It was a box office failure for sure. 
I wouldn't say it was poison. I would say it was a failure because, you know, the rebellion fucking won. If if a failure is, what was it, 86 million? That is a failure in Star Wars terms. It did, just to put it in perspective, it had a worse opening weekend than Justice League, which most people do consider a box office bomb, right? So... You know that if you are Disney and you are Star Wars, you have a problem when you're concerned about the Deadpool movie opening next door to you. Right. But it did beat Deadpool by double, just to, to throw that in out Star there. Wars. But you got to keep in mind the budget. So just because a movie does well at the box office, if its budget is huge, it's, it's still a failure. Uh, let alone advertising and everything they dumped into that. So let's wrap this up with some productions of Hit or Shit. We talked about this last time on our Star Wars episode, and we made a prediction. Was Solo going to be a hit or shit? Some of us said hit. Some of us said shit. It's looking like shit, guys. I'll jump in there. I said it was going to be a hit, even though I was worried about things involving the production. After seeing it, and the way it ties him to the Rebellion so closely, he got his gun from a nobody who's dead. He's got his name from a nobody. It feels like shit in the canon, but it was fun to watch for the action scenes. But I think as a work contributing to the universe, minus the Darth Maul and the criminal underworld, that does it is additive. It's mostly subtractive. Look, I said hit. Uh, my thinking there was people are going to be going to these movies. It ended up that they cannibalized themselves. There was too many releases. My feelings are that the only thing in jeopardy now, not even the solo sequel, I do think that is going to move forward. I think officially Star Wars is going to move out of the summer and head back to Christmas. We're going we're gonna to go back to that one release a year and not double down. I would really appreciate that. Kaita, Jacob, what are your thoughts on solo? Well, again, to uh, wrap up my thoughts in a very concise way, I thought it was fun, but ultimately very forgettable and disposable. Similar to Rogue One, a lot of the problems I had with this movie are very similar to the problems I had with Rogue One, although I did like it a little better than Rogue One. Uh, So far, these Star Wars stories, these side movies, not quite doing it for me in the same way that the main series is. Um, We'll have to see what they do with Obi-Wan and Boba Fett and that kind of thing. But I'm not super optimistic after seeing this movie. Kaita? Uh, yeah, so when I first was watching it, you know, I was expecting it to be shit, real shit. And uh, I watched it and I was like, oh shit, well, you know, I feel like I'm watching the Star Wars, you know. But the things that I liked about it didn't outweigh the things that I disliked about it. So I'm going to still say it's shit. And, uh, you know, Disney. Make some good Star Wars, man. Holla at your boy. I'm going to watch them. And there ain't no fatigue, man. I'm going to watch them. If y'all came out with one every week, I will watch it. All right? Final thoughts. Um, I think moving forward, this movie will be higher regarded than it is now. I think it was as fine as it had a right to be. Uh, it answered some questions no one was asking. I think it'll be fine as a movie. Uh, but what I think is important about it and what I think it's done better than any other Star Wars movie is building out that world. And I think it has people excited for the future of, of other anthology films like Obi-Wan and Boba Fett moving forward, seeing some of this Crimson Dawn uh, expanded upon will be great. Colin? Uh, I'll, I'll pick up right where you left off on that, Joe. I'm not excited for other spinoffs. I think if we do see an Obi-Wan story that we're going to get these odd side characters that have no development, no characterization. They'll be in and out of Obi-Wan's life. And, Probably all and I'll die. feel like, so what? Exactly. And they'll all die. It won't mean anything to me. They're about to fuck up one of my favorite characters, Obi-Wan, man. What I really want to see is just a, an acknowledgement of some of these, uh, 
expanded universe characters, but they don't necessarily need to die. You know, like for the for the solo sequel, give me give me Dash Rendar. Bring Dash Rendar and let him be a huge Dash character. And I don't I would even like care see, where he retires. I would like to see a, a Kira a standalone oh movie. God. Kira, a, a Star Wars story. Yeah. I don't think that'll be happening. Why not? Why good. not? She's a better character than Han Solo in his own movie. Wow, dude. Okay, that's yeah, Jacob. but she's box his office number poison. Is. <laughs> Look, Chewbacca's my favorite character. I thought he was done well. However, it wasn't the meeting that I was hoping it would be for these two characters. But again, we're talking a lot about preconceived notions. So when I sit down and actually watch the film, I, I liked it. I, I, I got to throw out all the behind-the-scenes drama. Honestly, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the final product, and I, I thought it was good. I recommend people see it. But I think they did a really good job of piecing together something that's cohesive and watchable, especially with all the drama we heard about. So, you know... I think it might age better overall. You know, we have mixed feelings here. You know, some enjoyed it. Some thought it might age, but it we'll see. It might age better, but I just want to say that I think the... I don't care about the the behind-the-scenes drama, but I do think it affected the film, and I think it was very uneven both in tone and in story, and it just felt... It felt like it was done by two different creative teams, and I definitely felt there was things missing from the movie. It's evident when you watch it that it was yeah. two teams. Yo, uh, I agree with Colin about Chewbacca. Chewbacca is the best part of the movie. Hell yeah. yeah best baby. character in Star Wars, baby. Yeah. Alright, well we've gone very long and very deep into this uh, solo Star Wars story. We only have a little bit of brief notes on the comics and the video games in which he's made appearances, so we're going to go ahead and leave you with this. If you enjoyed Solo, if you didn't enjoy it, please let us know on social media and we're going to be jumping on to our next segment. We're going to be talking the Han Solo video game universe. <laughs> All right, so we got in there. We talked about Solo, a Star Wars story. You know, we have differing opinions, but let's go and see how Han Solo has been treated in the video game universe, all right? He's been making appearances in the Battlefront games, even in the PS2 era. He's been in Terrace Cassie's, Super Nintendo, Star Wars, all that. So who has, like, a favorite memory of playing as Han Solo in a game? Well, I want to bring up, uh, like you just said about Battlefront, interestingly, Solo's character in Battlefront 2, Han Solo, you can play as him at during an in-between moment between uh, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. You see him with a beard. You see him a little younger. I guess that's what this movie is sort of heading towards. Yeah, that in the, the EA, the new Battlefront 2, the, the, Battlefront the lesser two. of the Battlefront 2s. Uh, it bridges the gap between the original series and the sequels. We actually see him with a beard, on, uh, oh, what's the planet with Maz, where her castle is? Oh, wow, really? And I'm sorry, so that's post-Endor. We're talking between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. That's yeah, right. Yeah, so after that's the right. Battle of Endor, the the Alliance has won, and he's out doing some smuggler missions for the Rebellion. Uh, and he meets up with Maz, which does a good job, in my opinion, of of filling in those gaps again, where we meet Maz in The Force Awakens, and she's... Oh, I've known Han Solo and Chewbacca. You know, where's my boyfriend? We've yep. seen that stuff. Uh, this fills in that gap of like, oh, they have known each other, even though we didn't see it in the original movies. And it's like a single mission. Like, it's just one mission with this Han Solo. But you do see him with a beard. You do see him kind of when he's separated from Leia, doing his own thing to try to support the rebellion, this and that. The best thing that Battlefront 2 did as a game, uh, again, the second Battlefront 2, yes. the, the lesser of the two. Uh, was give you these opportunities to play as Luke, Leia, 
Han and Lando. You get to play all of those characters in their own missions, building out that story a little bit more. Yeah, like you said, you get to inhabit Luke, Leia, Lando. You're kind of filling in these blanks in between, um, and that's maybe the strongest thing it did besides um, trying to get up for the ill will that Battlefront 1 created in the community. Which, again, we covered in the last episode. Really does a bad job. I mean, I own the game. I've played it a handful of times. Those missions are the only thing you're really looking for. There are great... uh, They're arcade mode light light side battles that you can play where you are Han and Chewie in the cantina. Stormtroopers are mobbing you. See how long you can survive. That's a lot of fun. But again, it's just one little mission. You know, I've played it probably about 50 times, but like, I don't know how much you can keep playing that, even though it is really satisfying to be Han and Chewie in the cantina. Yeah, it's a horde mode with characters you well, like. that's just Call of Duty zombies, though. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But Han Solo. Yeah, with yeah. Han Solo, but that's the coat of paint they're putting on. I remember we had Battlefront 1, Kaita. We uh, were living together at that time. Uh, we were roommates, and we did not enjoy it. Yeah, I don't like the new Battlefronts. Uh, when I referenced Battlefront 2 earlier, I meant the good one. The, the, about the yeah, dope the, OG uh, version of Battlefront 2 where you about could play one. the hero mode, uh, where you could be multiple Han Solos fighting each other. That was great. Yeah, that was such a great game. The Still new, available. You can get it in the Steam store. Bad. The new games are bad. Uh, the What I liked about the first games, uh, like the first new Battlefront was uh, the speeder bike, and it was only like a 10-second thing. It's, it's almost a, a tutorial. tutorial. Yeah, yeah exactly I hated right. that because I loved fun. it. To tie to something that came up in the movie is Kira mentions, you know, that her fighting that she learned was Terrace Kasi. Terrace Kasi, a game we referenced in the Star Wars uh, episode where we talked about video games, the old PlayStation fighting game for Star Wars, Ter- Masters of Terrace Kasi. And in that, you can be Han Solo. He's got his blaster and he punch, you know, like it's, it's not the greatest game ever, but he's in there. But it's interesting to see Terrace Kasi referenced in uh, the film, and also Darth Maul, that's his style. Bringing that into official canon. And like you said, that is Darth Maul's style. It's been referenced a handful of times in video games and stuff like that. Cool to see it brought into the movies. Yeah. Yo, what what's up with a Star Wars fighting game? Like, let me get, like, a Dragon Ball Fighters Star Wars game. Like, oh, I, I would love, love that, that kind of. That's so a much. great idea. As I brought up uh, two weeks ago on the Star Wars episode, it would be great to have, and Colin mentioned this too, a Soul Calibur with Star Wars characters, you know, lightsaber fighting. That could be great. Well, Blurred. here's here's my interest in this. So with te- with the Terrace Cassie reference, you know, Lawrence Kasdan, an original writer, wrote Empire Strikes Back and Beyond, you know, a great writer for Star Wars. But with his son on this one, John Kasdan, is that him bringing these old references in? You know, these kids who grew up on Star Wars, is that them bringing that to the forefront and making it canon? I would imagine that's, yeah, the expanded universe and its effect on Star Wars fans wanting to see that stuff brought into the light. If you're a writer, you bet your ass you're going to have the opportunity to, to bring in some of your favorites. Like, if I had the opportunity, Dash Rendar would be canon yeah, in a absolutely. Well, Dash Rendar is canon, sort of. Oh, that's uh, right. You want to mention the New we Hope? We do. Uh, yeah, we see the Outrider in um, A New Hope, the special edition, right? Yep, flying off a of Tatooine when they're heading to Moss Eisley Cantina, you see the Outrider. Which, who knows, you know, maybe in another solo movie we could see, you know, Dash being like, oh, I'm getting out of here. Oh, that could literally be the moment beforehand. We'll yeah. see if that's how this next one ends. Yeah. And so we have um, also, a, I think, a really big underrated uh, appearance of Han Solo in video games is the Lego Star Wars games. Those are super fun. 
You know, he's got his blaster. He's blowing up Legos. Like he's it's a fun. hilarious character in those games. He's too. still a snarky. Silly-er. Yeah. Oh, and I love again as a, as a huge Harrison Ford fan. They made uh, Indiana Jones a uh, Easter egg character that you could play as well. Oh, really? So you could be Indiana Jones or Han Solo in both the Indiana Jones Lego game and the uh, the Star Wars. I think the classic is that what it's called? The remaster of the original three. Yeah, and it ties them all together. That's correct. I never uh, really played any Star Wars Lego games. How are they? They're fun. They're arcadey. Like it's a good like a couch co op game. You can get two people in there. It's it's, it's a lot of fun. Just don't take it too seriously. For sure, for sure. Oh, Colin and I have played a ton of the the Lego series. You have DC games, Marvel games, Star Wars games. They do a good job of building out, uh, you know, fun gameplay. What I will say is that they might be a little dated at this point since they are continuing to make those Marvel and DC games. And In fact, they just announced a villain DC game. We'll, we'll see about that in the future. But those are more open world. They have, a, they have an open world hub where you can sort of play as these characters. With the Star Wars ones, it's a lot more linear, a lot smaller, a lot fewer characters at this point same for the harry potter game too i think it's just dated mm-hmm. yeah those were some of the first that they were doing the the star wars series with the lego games lego has really positioned themselves so strongly to where they have access to these licenses that are just gigantic well would you have thought of it as a brand i mean that's incredible i mean it is huge i mean they can use all these characters any way they want and it is a weird tie you have lord miller who were kicked off of the solo story who made the first lego movie that's right that's true that all comes back that is very true so lego games are good other than that you don't see han solo too much in other star wars media i mean you do have those pc games where you are flying the millennium falcon so technically you are han solo escaping from the exploding death star things like that um, did anyone play Super Nintendo Star Wars? Because that is a very hard game. Oh Fuck my Dark God. Souls. <laughs> Super Star Wars. The original Dark Souls. Yeah, that is nuts. Like, you have no direction where to go. You start with Luke as your blaster and everything. It's not easy. And in Super Empire Strikes Back, you're choosing between three different characters. Luke, Chewbacca, and Han Solo. And he's, he's easily one of the best. You know, using that blaster 360 shooting style, it's so much easier to kill uh, enemies than, uh, than as Luke Skywalker just swinging at the air. Look, I don't know if you guys uh, ever fuck with this, but back when I was like a young, young kid, right? A youngling? Had, a youngling, right? Padawan? Yeah, man. So back when I was a youngling, right, they had the book fair. You know how you in elementary school, mm-hmm. they got the book fair? Love the book fair. All right, okay, so, you know, reading is fun, all that shit. Yeah. All right, so um, they had like a little, like a game thing. I, I guess it's not a video game, but like... It was like a little like pen like some D and D shit. Like really? it was like it was like my first ever D twenty dice. Kinda, I, I know exactly got. what you're talking about. You Almost t- a choose your own adventure. I of was the Star Han Wars Solo. Universe. I, I love Han that Solo. Book. I love Han Solo. And then you know the Solo movie was like what the fuck. I hate but that for you. We talk about the games though, so you but, know like I like that, and it was like my first experience with like D twenty and like text based and writing out stuff. Like, I love that. Like, what happened today? I never played that. That sounds great. Yeah, it was taking those elements of, like, classic D&D gaming and applying them to a franchise you already loved. Where it's like, oh, if I can play as Han Solo, I'll play any type of game you give me. Word. Yeah, if I'm rolling a D&D character, let me roll Han Solo somehow. Right, because that's got to be fun. A smuggler, roguelike. Uh, you got to roll a natural 20 for that. Uh, his charisma stat is off the charts. <laughs> So we're also seeing, like, in the big MMORPG world, Star Wars Galaxies, Han Solo, a character you come across multiple times, gives you missions, of course, but uh, also a reference there to Terrace Cassie. Uh, your character can specialize in that fighting style. Yeah, you can uh, 
you can do that. You can also characterize like uh, smuggling as another like Han Solo. That's a job, absolutely. Yeah. That's one thing in the movie just on the smuggling. They show us that little secret compartment that he hides everything in. You know, Ray and Finn are down there. But um, I mean, as far as video games. Han Solo, does he deserve a solo game or does he not? I mean, not to put a pun Bro, on make his it name. FPS, I'm in there. An F- or an over-the-shoulder, maybe, like Gears of War? I would Solo. like an over-the-shoulder. Well, hold on, guys. I'm loving this, Mike. That's I'm what they do in this talk. Let's do a little pitch, pitch, bitch. Let's ah, talk yes. about our ideal solo video game featuring Han Solo. What, what do you guys want to see? Let's start with Kaito, the guest here. I Well, shit, I make it, you know, like, I ain't really big on the Call of Duty, but I would just make it a Call of Duty FPS-style shooter. You could be, uh, you know, Han Solo in the main story and just start shooting people up with that pistol. One shot, one kill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, DB44. Loving that. Joe, what do you think about it? I would go back in time 10 years when LucasArts was still making video games. And Glory days. The, mm. yeah, exactly. Word. The exact team behind uh, Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb, I would have the same voice actor do Harrison Ford, and I would do a over-the-shoulder, third-person action-adventure game with uh, Han Solo. Kind of like Uncharted or something? Exactly like uh, Uncharted Kaito, you're taking something. the words out of my mouth. It's interesting. You said first-person. I see a story-driven, huge narrative exactly like Uncharted. Right. Yeah, I, I personally, I like first-person shooters for uh, multiplayer or, you know, like a big arena-style shooting. When right. I want my narrative games, though, I want to see the character moving through the universe. And so I want to participate almost in a movie. I would like to see a solo game that follows a story we didn't see, probably set between, you know, I would say the Battle of Endor and uh, the sequel trilogy. I would yeah, take see, I'm, I'm trying to catch them headshots. You know, like how in Force Awakens... They walk up on the hill, and you know your boy Harrison ain't even looking. He just popping them off. That, like yeah. I like that. That's true. That's a very cool moment. A good characterization of Han Solo, the guy who just got it, He's shooting from the hip. Exactly. And you want to have that experience in a game. Word. I mean, I feel like I would want yeah that third person action game, but I want them to bring in the smuggling aspect, his charisma. I would want to see maybe these kind of uh, dialogue trees where you have like a charisma check to make where can you get past the imperial guards are these the droids you're looking for kind of thing yeah that sounds great mike almost like the um the mad max game that came and went without much fanfare uh where you could have these these smuggling (laughs) elements yeah like how would you work the smuggling part into it besides just like you put this on your ship it would be cool if like you got an imperial inspection randomly when you're doing your... At any point. Almost like do Grand like, Theft Auto. They could do it like Metal Gear and just have them, like, you know, hide around, steal some shit. And if you, like, fail, like, let's say, like, oh, what are you hiding here? Like, nothing. Then you end up in a combat sequence. Or you can just circumvent the combat by rolling a high charisma score. What scares me about what you're talking about, though, is that open ship world. Are we thinking something like No Man's Sky, which saw a lot of flack, where we're, we're no. out there on the Falcon, where we're going to where we need to go, we're picking up things on the side? A big thing you see with uh, games is, you know, you have gameplay fatigue, where if you have one style of gameplay for too long, it's like the only game that succeeded in having one style of gameplay was Doom. Like, let's just be fast and shoot shit forever. So you have to mix it up. So I'd like to see those third-person shooting elements mix in with, like, the space traversal, like, can you get away from the blockades and things like that? With Han Solo and with Star Wars in general, I think you also need to see some story-driven stuff. Like, it's really got to build out the world. Like, I would like to see a game based around what 
mission Han Solo fucked up with the huts that made him owing them. That's great. I love that. And especially, you're talking about pinning down a time on this. Uh, let me say, and I'd love your guys' critiques too, I would love for it to be set after the movie Solo. I don't want to see any more of this pre what he was like before, where he's going. I want to see him with Chewbacca. I want to be part of that crew. That's I would right. want to be able to throw it to Chewbacca as well. Almost like, you know, in some games you have you know, you can press down and you become your droid or, or another oh, I love that. Character. Maybe a little Last of Us. We're talking uh, Ellie as the sidekick. Wow. Chewbacca yeah. filling that role. Always have Chewbacca He's got a bow him. and arrow, sort of, just like <laughs> Ellie. Yeah. That would be huge, actually. To be able to play as Chewbacca on a mission sometimes, too. That'd you be need really that bowcaster. You need that, that, that buddy charisma. The back and forth. Yeah, definitely. Any thoughts on a solo video game beyond that, Kaito? Uh, no. I mean, I, I feel like I put in my... Yeah, I feel like that kind of covers it. We want to be able to shoot, and we want to be able to smuggle, and we want to be able to feel charismatic and be with our buddy Chewbacca. And do right. we want to fly the Falcon? Oh, of Yo, course. We want to fly, fly the Falcon. Yeah. Come on, no. That's the only good thing about Battlefront is if you can get the hero points, you can fly the Falcon. Y'all play that arcade joint? with Oh, the, when oh the hell yeah. That's so a great right. bring We mentioned that. That's right. That's one of my favorite shits, man. Yeah, that is super great. You get to do the uh, the run on the Death Star 2. It's super fun. Normies, reach out to us. Let us know what you want to see in a Han Solo video game, what your favorite video games are featuring Han Solo. But right now, we're going to be talking Han Solo featured comic books coming up next. Hey, Normies, we're back. We're talking Han Solo in the comic books. Uh, Joe, hit us with it. What do you think? Han Solo is one of those characters that has been iconic for, you know, over three decades now. We've seen him appear in a lot of comic books. Uh, you know, we discussed on the first Star Wars podcast, Marvel had it. They lost it. It went to Dark Horse. Then Marvel has it again. And now those are all considered canon. Han Solo has appeared in hundreds of these books throughout the time period. Only a handful have been specific to him. Um, but Colin, I know you liked one of those in particular, right? With the, the Cloud Riders. Riders. Talking about the Cloud Riders. Let's throw it back to the Marvel Legends. You know, those are all, all legends now, not canon. Talking about the original 1970s Marvel run of Star Wars. One issue in particular features Han Solo, Chewbacca, and the Star Hoppers of Aduba 3 going up against. The Cloud Riders. We get official uh, confirmation on this. Lawrence Kasdan did learn about this name from the comic book. He, uh, he reached out to some friends and said, you know, I'm coming up with this character, Enfris Nest. He, he rides a swoop. He has this gang. But I don't know what I want them to be called. I, 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 don't, I don't know what I want them to be like. And uh, some friends actually pointed him towards this comic book and the Cloud Riders specifically. And when he heard that name, he lost it. He said, I have to have that. And How officially dare he? makes it canon. It's I'll interesting dare. that even back in the 70s, they were licensing the Star Wars name to comics. I mean, let's face it, merchandising, merchandising, merchandising. We've all seen Spaceballs, you know, they try to tie it in. That's right. When it wasn't even just the comic books, just books in general, there was also a trilogy called the Han Solo Adventures that chronologued his days uh, before he joined the Rebellion, just him and Chewie out on missions. And obviously that's all thrown out now. We know that from Solo. So in those books, did Chewie ever uh, eat human flesh? I don't know if they went that far. Okay, because in the movie, they're implying that maybe he did. But, 
You know, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of the solo comic book content. I'm not really the comic book guy, but there is a lot of stories you could tell of him running his missions before he encounters Obi-Wan in the cantina with Luke. Oh, sure. And I'll even just point out in that 70s issue I was talking about, please look at it, normies. Uh, we, we see some similarities in the solo film. There's a goofy droid, FE9Q, who, who gets destroyed in kind of the same way that uh, L3 does. So some similar characterization there. Yeah, you do see them stealing elements from the legends and bringing them into canon. Uh, I mean, you could say even Darth Maul's appearance in the movie is kind of like he's taking that Prince Zizer role from the Shadows of the Empire run, where it's, you know, a criminal element that's kind of working not for the Rebellion or for the Empire, but kind of against both. Yeah, that's true. I, I just appreciate that they did bring in that Darth Maul element because he was finding his own way to work against both factions. He felt like he had lost, you know, kind of his importance. Oh, he's the man in the middle for sure. Yeah, like I like the introduction of this third power of the criminal underbelly trying to also gain its own footing. And um, this isn't a Han Solo thing, but I'm sure there's comics exploring that as well. And Han Solo, I'm sure, is, you know, interacting with that because of the nature of his work. The galaxy is a big place. We're going to see elements explored in comic books that we don't even see touched on in the movies or video games. I mean, is there any other notable solo comic book storylines that we want to go over? There's a run I really like that's that's canon, officially. Uh, it takes place once he's joined the Rebellion, but still kind of does his own thing. Uh, it's written by Marjorie Liu, and it has some great work. Uh, on the art from Mark Brooks, and it takes place in between, I think it's New Hope and Empire, and it's just him doing a mission, random mission, where he has to do a race called the Dragon Void Run. Ooh, kind of like the castle. Exactly, and it just shows that it's kind of always about his his piloting skills. And can I ask, Joe, is that where we meet Sana, his ex-wife? No, Sana actually appears in the uh, main book, the main Star Wars. Oh, we're talking comic just book. the Star Wars in the Marvel universe. And you know, a lot of people thought that maybe Tandy Newton's character Val Beckett might end up being that character when she was cast, but no, turns yeah, out not. Well, they ended up teasing that character a lot. I think that was meant to build out marketing more because in the comics, she's introduced and then she's kind of written off real quick. They don't spend a lot of time on it. It's just to blow our minds that maybe Han was married before and to throw the wrench for Leia there. Exactly. It's kind of like, oh, these characters have pasts. So is that a canon thing that Han Solo had a ex-wife before Leia? I guess we'll see post-Solo now. It's canon opposed to the comics, but again, who knows how close they're going to be following this stuff. I mean, it is canon. It is acknowledged by the the Marvel comics that came out post-2015. So it is officially canon, but I don't know if we'll ever see that explored. Right, so he's got Kira who betrayed him. Then he has an ex-wife who, I don't know why that didn't work. And then Sana Staro, sort Leia. of the same way. They're both smugglers who uh, kind of double-cross each other. Yeah, it's kind of like a, sh- a sham marriage wrapped inside of a, a heist, basically. Okay, so maybe... Well, look, I-, I never, you know, read a comics and nothing like that, you know, because I ain't a comic guy. You're a manga you know, guy. You know, your boy out here, ex-kaita, you know, we reading mangas, baby. Shout out anime. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to hopefully a solo manga one day. We did see a Star Wars manga back in the day. Yeah, they have done it. Didn't see that. But it exists. I did have the Return of the Jedi manga. Like, um, Shout out to K-God. Got me the... Uh, K-God. The uh, Return of the Jedi manga. It was a uh, you know, Japanese interpretation of the story of Return of the Jedi. It was pretty rad, but... Um, yeah, they have one for all three of the original series. Really? Those, those are the only ones i But those I've are seen. just manga adaptations, though. 
Yeah. But they do add a little bit. Not a full run or anything. Um, but yeah, give me that full in the pond, baby. I'm there. You, you, you. So you're not into the comics, but you would like a Han Solo manga. What would that be like? If you could have a Han Solo manga, what would that be? He'd be like, "Yo, the Empire, those fucking bacchus." Then he'd go right out. He would be a (laughs) Sundari. Space Dandy. Space Dandy, Space Cowboy Dandy. Bebop. I mean, that's wouldn't that be exactly what it is? I yeah, mean, you see that so much. You're exactly dead on with that. Cowboy Bebop, talk about a total, total homage to Star Wars. But that's what we love about it. We love to see how it uh, expands out like that. Yeah, he's an archetype we want to see explored more than uh, just through the movies. Han Solo's like Lupin the Third. You know, he's the thief. He's the rogue. He's the womanizer. Like, he's got a smooth silver tongue. You know, that character exists in many different mediums. But our version of it in the Star Wars is Han Solo, and we love him. Hey. Well, I want to see an ongoing from Marvel. I want to see them doing a new Solo comic for sure, especially post this movie. Let's go ahead and set some of those in that universe. I'm not saying we have to steal some material from the movies, but let's let's build it out a little. Show me more about Val Beckett. Show me more about L337. I want to see where she nah. came from. Yeah, they, well, the, the Dragon Void run just ended a little bit ago. There is a Lando comic that's ongoing now. I haven't had a that's chance good. to check it out yet because it just started about a month ago. Uh, called Lando Double or Nothing. Ooh, maybe um, we will see all three in that, yeah, especially I down the line. I think we definitely will, because all the cover art is, I mean, it's Donald Glover as as Lando Calrissian. Oh, yeah. um, uh, they know where to cash in on that now. Donald, a exactly. huge part of that. Yeah. They just milk him up, boy, Donald, man. They shouldn't. This is America. My favorite Han Solo appearance in a comic book, though, has to be uh, when Dark Horse had the license in the 90s. They made this book that... It's just it's just a one shot, which for non comic fans is just a, a one issue random adventure. It doesn't really matter to anything. Even in the times of non canon, it was especially non canon. Even further off from that, and in it, the Millennium Falcon crashes on a planet that has a breathable atmosphere. Any any guesses, guys, on what that planet is? Oh, I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, something like Empire Strikes Back, where they're about to be eaten by a monster in a meteoroid? No, it's Earth. Oh, no. oh God. <laughs> this the, is Star Trek now. The, the planet is Earth, and in the book, Han Solo has been mortally wounded. He's on the Millennium Falcon, just kind of passing out, and stars uh, a line that Indiana Jones is looking for the Bigfoot monster. Okay, Normies, you can't see this, but we're all rolling our eyes here with a big smile from Joe, though. The Bigfoot monster is Chewbacca. Oh, God. Uh, Which, they they did it. Indiana Jones. They just had a do real quick. And so how old would that make Chewie at that point? 3,000 years old? Oh, my God. Well, yeah, because you got to think it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And even though the Indiana Jones books take place, or movies and books and comic books all take place back in, uh, you know, World War II days, they they still show little elements of like, oh, time has passed beyond, you know, for Chewie. Do we see Indiana interact with Chewie at all? We see Indy interact with Chewie, but not Solo. I won't spoil too much of it, but if you can find your your copy of the, the Dark Horse comic where they, they interact, it's pretty wild. Well, look out for that one, Normies. I'll definitely be checking that out, because that is way too wild to see those worlds come together. It's probably better than The Last Jedi, so... Uh, oh, one last jab. Yeah, one more. Anyway, uh, that was comics, and we're going to be wrapping it up.
Ayo, normies. So we have talked the movie, the comic books, the video games. We've covered all facets of pop culture. Let's just get our final thoughts, Jerry's Corner style, on Solo. Uh, As always, throwing it to the guest first. X, what do you think? Final thoughts here. Yo, Jerry's Corner style. I like that, man. Yo, got the nice Jerry Springer ref up in there. But, um, yeah, man, I like, I mean, I like some stuff about Solo, you know? But it's just the cons outweigh the pros to me. So, you know, that's that's just like my last take on it. I mean, I feel like if I didn't have a an unfair bias, kind of, maybe I would like it a little bit more. But to me, that movie's trash. X, tell me this. What can Disney do to get you back? Fire the Empire. Ooh. And you're calling Disney the Empire, baby. You're saying get Kathleen out of there. It's not Disney. It's Lucasfilm. They're fucking it up. Because Disney, they kind of... It's like Disney let somebody do their thing. And then now that somebody did their thing, it's fucking up the money. It's just not a good thing they're doing. But isn't that somebody, JJ? I mean, didn't he plant all of those seeds? Wasn't he the... The chosen son. JJ was the chosen son. All right, this is another thing where they fucked up. All right, so they didn't let JJ do the whole trilogy. Like, they should have just fucking let him do that. I, like, that's an interesting Because then yeah. he could have closed his things that he opened with The Force Awakens. But nah, they got fucking stupid-ass Johnson on there. Ooh, fucking, ooh I hate it. Who we're seeing some fans call Ruin Johnson Ruin right now. Johnson, ooh, I man. I hate it. We you know will we will get back to the last Jedi in a That's future episode. That's just my episode. final take. That's look. All right, okay. My final take. Solo. Eh, meh. Eh. That's you want me. people to see it? Will you tell people to see it? If they want to see it, they can. If if they agree with me and my points, don't go see it. But you saw it. I did. I did see it on the bootleg though. I ain't giving them my money, man. Watch that on the bootleg. Ooh. <laughs> watch it, skip Good it, dog. or watch it on the bootleg. This is a watch it on the bootleg. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, you know, just really briefly, and then I'll give my thoughts. I didn't mean to jump on anybody, but if you're making the biggest movie trilogy of all time, you're bringing it back, you should have a plan from A to B, and it is frustrating to see that Rain Johnson and J.J. did not have, like, an idea of where they were going to go from one to two to three. And that just feels like poor management, you know, poor planning. Word. Because with Marvel, they're planning so meticulously. But back to Solo. It was fun. It's a fun space romp. If you're watching it as if Star Wars never existed, it's fun. But I think it places Solo a little too close to the creation of the Rebellion. And it gets his, he gets his name from an idiot. And he gets his gun from a dead dude. Like, why is this gun Oof. important to you? Like, it, everything that's cool about him, you're undercutting. And everything that's mysterious about him, you're now pulling the cloak off of it. And I think it it damages his character. And that's that's my take. And all of a sudden, Han Solo feels a bit like a phony to you, huh, Mike? A little bit. Big, fat Ouch. phony. Even though he shot first, your name's not your name. All right, Joe, how about you? Let's hear what you think. Final thoughts on Solo. Well, final thoughts, it was fine. Uh, it's not the end-all, be-all of the character. Uh, they were obviously going to make this movie at some point. I'm glad that they didn't blow it entirely. Obviously, I hate that he was named after, you know, a fucking Imperial Guard. Who's hating his job just clocking in. Yeah, like that that drives me up a wall. But other than that, his introduction to Chewie, the way he wins the Falcon, his blaster, I guess, I don't know why people care about his blaster. Like, that blows my mind that people care so much about where he got his fucking Well, gun. why did he keep it for 50 years if it wasn't super important? Because it works well. I guess so. Hey, I guess it just go. works good. Anyway, 
but yeah, overall, I thought it was fine. If you like Star Wars, you'll probably enjoy it. Um, so why not go check it out? Well, here's my last thoughts. Uh, is it a good action movie? No. Is it a good heist movie? No. Is it a good Star Wars movie? Yeah. It's a serviceable Star Wars movie. It plays too much with the genres, but like Joe said, it builds out that Star Wars world in a way that I really liked. Uh, you know, I think part of the problem comes down to how it was marketed. That's not the issue of why people aren't seeing it, but if you think back to those commercials and trailers with the line, the meme, everyone's quoting, a big-time gangster is putting a crew together. Okay, what does that even mean? It doesn't even end up being the biggest part of the film. The trailers don't tell you who the bad guy is, what the drive of the film is. So I think it's just so messy that uh, it's just it does not feel like a complete story, and that's its biggest issue. All right, well, it looks like that's our thoughts on Solo. We are out here sweating our asses off on Tatooine. We're in the Mos Eisley Cantina. Luckily, they closed Yo. down for us to record this episode. I just want to say, if you've been listening to this for our first couple episodes, thank you. Find us on social media, normies like us at Twitter and Instagram. And I want to ask you, Kaita, our guest, Jacob had to step out, unfortunately. But where can people find you? What are you working on? Oh, hey, yeah, your boy. Okay, I'm ex-Kaita, right? So, uh, you know, I'm in a group called The Guy Squad. You could check us out. Hell yeah. Bandcamp, yep. Hashtag The Guy Squad. T-H-A-G-O-D-S-Q-U-A-D. One word. You could check us out on uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook. Instagram, you could catch me at uh, Instagram.com slash xkaita. And uh, yeah, Cop OVA, that's the mixtape, man. It's fucking fire, dog. Download his mixtape. Download that mixtape. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, I want to thank normies like us, you know. Big ups to y'all for I having me I appreciate it, buddy. Hey, man. Hope y'all get bigger. I hope to be back, actually. Oh, Kaita, we'll definitely have you back for some upcoming episodes, for sure. And that's going to be it pretty much for Star Wars for a little while. I know we've been going heavy on you guys. We definitely wanted to time this out with this release. Um, just the last final thought, we will say the box office for Solo, this is in the second week now that we're recording this, has dropped 60%. It'll be a little interesting going down the line to see where this movie ends up in the fans uh, eyes and opinions but uh, let us know normies reach out to us hit us up on all that social media all right well stay tuned for more normies like us we thank you for listening to the epic the iliad this journey we've taken you on solo the star wars story and solo in the video games and we hope to hear you next time thanks nerf herders this was colin joe mike x kaita all right and uh, i'm about to do this kessel run in 12 parsecs We'll Peace. catch you later, normies. Bye. Bye. Hey,